Hello everybody, Richard Hart here with Paul Stortz. You pronounce this even yeah, though it looks like Stork. Right. That's amazing. You pronounced it right without asking me beforehand. How did you do that? I've been in the space for a while. You've been in the space for a while. Is that one of your special powers as a vampire? You can, you know how, are you, have you taken, you've taken a human form for this conversation, I assume. I've even turned on the main lights. I'm wearing a lot of sunscreen with the main lights on to convince people I'm actually human. So it's oh, a trick okay. I do. Good. I'm so, sorry that, guys, I don't have Wi-Fi. I've tried to get it very hard today, but it just wasn't in the cards. So yeah. So can't Paul's see me, probably. Yeah, Paul's not where he normally is, so he's got crappy internet. So we're doing it with his voice and, and my face. Sorry for you voice guys. Voice only. Yeah. The good news is Paul's smarter than me, so you guys should be able to learn something. I should be able to learn something too. So I'll give you. A, I'll give I was you the, hoping to learn something too. I don't know. I don't really know anything about. I only know a few things about hex. So okay. I'm I'm happy to learn. Personally. Well, I I, I, know that you're giving I thought we were going to talk about Bitcoin scaling. I didn't even I don't I even know what you want to talk about. You know, you just kind of threw that in. He threw that in, dear audience members. He just kind of threw that in the title. He didn't even, you know. We didn't have a plan. Talk about side chain scaling because I think it is actually pretty interesting. Sure, well, we talk about whatever you want, man. And my audience has already heard enough about hex for a while. I mean, let's talk about some some Bitcoin stuff, if it's okay I, with you. you. Unless you get it helps to try to com compare blockchain sure. chain to Lightning Network. So okay. actually, that's kind of like one of my favorite ways of explaining it. Well, hold on, don't ta don't do that yet. Let me tell everyone who you are. Um, so you're a professor, ain't you? No, that's not really the case, but uh, uh, I was, I did work as a researcher, which is sort of what, that is what really professors want to spend all their time doing. Academia is very complicated. And, uh, but yeah, I was in, I have a background in academia and okay. I did work as a, a statistician in the Yale economics department. All right. So working at Yale isn't too bad, right? Not bad. Not bad at all. Okay. And then uh, you've been trying to get side chains as a way to add throughput and features to Bitcoin for how many years now? Well, yeah, I originally published this blog post in November 20, oh, I don't even know, 2015. Yes. So it's been about four solid years. Although, of course, I have not, I wasn't working on drive chain for a lot of that time. I have my own project, which is called Bitcoin Hivemind now. And uh, that is prediction markets project that I was originally working on, and it was going to be a side chain. And at the time, I thought when I was working on that, which is 2014, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, a little bit, and still ongoing, I still work on it. Um, when I was working on that, I assumed that someone else, especially Blockstream, but maybe so an, another dark horse person or rootstock or someone, would invent the side chains connecting tissue but then it became eventually it became clear that no one was going to do that and, and especially when i started to work on drive chain it became clear that there were a lot of extremely bizarre ideas um and sort of perspectives on how people thought it would have to work or the criteria that people thought it would have to meet um so before before you get too no deep how, how do you how do you know that it's clear that they wouldn't do it well, I was just like, I thought um, the, you know, the original sidechains white paper from Blockstream, that was October 2014, if I remember correctly. So, um, 
you know, that's just a long time between October 2014, November 2015, I published Drive Chain, and then still in 2016, um, we basically finished the prediction markets project, Bitcoin Hivemind. You can see if you go to BitcoinHivemind.com, you can see screenshots that have a GUI, that have graphs and things. So, um, software. So why why doesn't before. anyone want to scale Bitcoin with side chains? Because if they because well, if they wanted it, they would do it, right? I mean, they wrote they wrote the first white paper on it, and then well, it's just been dead for five years. We no, we have been developing. Not you, everyone software, else. And I actually think that it has. Um, I think it's kind of comparable to the Lightning Network in complexity. So some people ask us, Cryptex and I, Cryptex really does all the work. Um, I just talk to people on YouTube. So, but I think people ask us like, what's taking so long? But that's kind of like the parallel question to the Lightning Network, like what's taking Lightning Network so long? I think it's really, it may even be, DriveChain may even be more, it may involve more like debugging than Lightning Network. I don't know about the overall. From, from what I've seen, they don't give a fuck to engage you at all, and they don't care about what you're doing enough to even understand it to debate you. Well, and you can't even get these guys to talk to you. Is what I've yeah, what I've you, seen. You have seen my. I have a, a page. I have a drivechain.info. I have a page, and then I have a part where I say, "Here's the peer review, especially responding to two criticisms." And uh, that's better. Like some list. criticisms is better than no engagement. Yeah, well, you can overcome is, criticism. Yeah, you can't I, overcome silence. I, obviously, I appreciate all criticism. Um, some have, some of these critiques have just persisted for years, despite my attempts to just like completely refute them, like as much as possible. So I think I think the critique everyone has is that the side chain will be insecure due to hash one, things. One is that people think that uh, that miners will steal from the side chain, but. That is really the that would be trivial to prevent. I don't know exactly where people are coming from with that because that is exactly what makes it a side chain and what makes it firewalls from you. That that is your license to not care about anything that happens there. If it was impossible, if it was somehow enforced on layer one, which would be right. But the, but the, don't the layer two guys just get fucked? Excuse me. In that example. I didn't understand. What did you, well, I you're saying you're saying that it's a firewall and that you don't care what happens to the layer two guys because the layer one's isolated from it. But but is there objection? No, I'm that... referring to in the my, I ref, I think of side chains or specifically I guess drive chain. I don't know what other side chains you know are around, but the I think of them as a layer two. So when I say layer two, I mean when you send money to to a specific side chain software, you send something to Rootstock or whatever. So, so let, me, let me start from scratch. Is it the so? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that side chains are less secure than the main chain. Would you agree with that? Yes, it's like layer two. There, there's an additional. There's, there's one. There's a couple senses in which they're more secure, which is kind of funny. But okay. Um, and I have a, a blog post about this. If people are interested, it's, well, if you go you're going to have to do a short version, bro, because you're going to run out of attention span at some point. I'll, I'll yeah, go for eight hours, so. but you won't. But yes, there's an additional. There are there are more moving parts and more security assumptions. So well, you, you've got to, okay. Well, you've got twice the attack surface at least, because if the main chain's fucked, you're fucked, and then if you're exactly. fucked, you're yeah. fucked. So the, there's at least twice that, and then your whatever you did that's new is likely to be less secure than what's been around for ten years and, and barely changed, and has more eyeballs on it. So then, like, so I mean, yes. I, I would say, and then I mean, it seems at least two-thirds less secure to me there but but what are the security assumptions you said were stronger on the side chain 
Well, one is that it's the sidechain is sort of more protected from reorgs uh, because the with well the sidechain withdrawals specifically because they they take so long to go through that no one is going to reorg for like three months and not reorg for less time than that. So there are a couple elements of it that are actually completely uh, over my head. What you can do is you can move. <laughs> what the fuck you talking about? And then you can swap <laughs> with someone else so that you don't actually have to go through the process. Of hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I don't get it, nobody listening gets it, man. Yeah. So let, let's get back up a little bit. Well, you know, I'm Re not, reorg. I'm not hundred percent. I don't, I, I understand exactly what you're saying and I would love to communicate the ideas better, but I, at the same time, I do often think about how when Satoshi published Bitcoin for the first time, basically everyone hated it and misunderstood it, even on the cypherpunk mailing list where you think they would be most likely to understand it. And after all, it's a Friedrich Hayek kind of world that we should, we should actually think less. Well, I don't, less I don't think what you're saying is complicated. I just think that we went over it too quick. You're talking about a difference in reorgs. So a reorg is when there's a certain chain that everyone believes in. And then you go, oh, actually, hey, I found this other chain that uh, has more hash weight or a higher block height. And so we're just going to say that that's the authoritative chain. Orphan that other thing, fork it away, it's gone now. And we just rewrote history, basically. That's what a reorg is, right? Yes. Okay. So now everyone knows what a reorg is. We're just, we went down the chain a little bit, you know, and then we said, hey, fuck it. Actually, we're going to go back in time and we're going to make it as though we went this other way instead. It just, requires mining effort to, to like you're like cutting it, you're like digging. Well, it happens all the time, but to low block density. New canal, so it takes more effort. Right, but it happens it, all the time, but it just doesn't happen very deep. For uh, a withdrawal, they're intentionally very, very, very slow. So there's really you're no, talking about on the side chain. You're talking about yes, when side money comes back from the right. side chain to the main chain. But again, I as you okay. say, I don't know. So let's, so we won't we won't get into the security trade-offs of the difference between. A reorg on a main chain. A I just want to say there's many, you know, with Lightning, there's many, and with sure. uh, Drop Chain, there's many, right. and with all kinds of things there are. Now, I, I tried to promote the shit out of your project a couple years ago, and no one gave a oh, fuck. Well, thank you. Because I wanted to see a lot of good things happen on Bitcoin, because I saw Ethereum taking all the mine share and all the new money with their ERC20 tokens, where anyone could start a ticker symbol and go raise a zillion dollars with a ticker symbol and a dream. And they were getting all that money and then Bitcoin wasn't getting any of it because you couldn't put a ticker symbol on Bitcoin. And it was the easiest, the easiest thing you could think of to add. We just need ticker symbols, man. That, that's where all the money is. Can, can we have that? Well, so, hindsight is 2020. Um, but yeah, certainly I, I think that, I mean, Bitcoin, you could have done it. There were, there were projects as well, you know. Yeah, counterparty and <clears throat> Omni. And now there's a fork of Bitcoin called Raven that does ticker symbols. Exactly. Because right. we there's, fucking exactly, need yeah. these things. <clears throat> so the sidechains was supposed to be originally the long time ago. This is like 2014, possibly even maybe even December 2013. If if you go to IRC chat or something, this was supposed to be the response to these new ideas. The history of Bitcoin is like Bitcoin came out. It was super new and impressive that people started making copies of it that were really just quite just terrible or just at least not very creative something with Litecoin where it was just a copy paste. And so it's kind of sort of insultingly simple. The marginal effort was zero compared to the effort that Satoshi put in to make it from, from, from a blank piece of paper. Yeah. So, um, and then though in, in 2014, you did have things, I mean, people like to tell this story where Ethereum was success and 
Bitcoin should have been on top of it. And there's some truth in that. You're saying um, Ethereum should have been on top of Bitcoin? No, no, no. I mean, people want to get, they want to buy into that story. That was the sense in which I mean, that people want to get on, they want to get, um, they would like, they like to take that point of view. That the Ethereum is uh, more successful than Bitcoin? No, that Ethereum had some useful things to offer. Okay. Well, it does. I, mean, a lot of people, I, know, I know that it does. Right. A lot of people feel that way, but I, I, I just want to bring up that there's a little bit of... <laughs> feel that uh, way? What? Well, there's a little bit of survivor bias because... Dog, we have this argument right here. now. Oh. This is an easy one. Ethereum beats the fuck out of Bitcoin. No, badly. Do you understand what I'm talking about, though? The point I'm trying to make is that I think the like I mean it sounds to me like the point you're trying to make is that everyone thought Bitcoin was going to be the programmable money, and then everyone that tried to program on top of it got ass fucked, like Counterparty when they changed the opcode size, like Omni which trades less than three hundred dollars a day now, and so the, there's two companies that tried to build on top of Bitcoin they failed entirely. Yeah. Now there's, there's a. Th go ahead. Yes, you raised some good points, but um, I think it's really not so much the opcode change. It's really more the culture. That um, I agree. I agree. That, they don't uh, want people building on that shit. Survived the, and it did, in fact, obviously, survive the opcode um, data bytes Reduction. shortening. Yeah. Um, so it, that's really not that. It's really more the culture of like who is treated. Yeah, they don't with. want to fork your shit in there, and they don't want to work with you, and they don't want to change anything, and they don't want you building on top of Bitcoin. And they're only yes, letting... well, especially ironic with mine because mine is sort of itself the escape hatch that would let new software on without um, existing Bitcoin core developers being able to veto it um, at all. So mine is like the the sort of the the one. It's just the one thing you need to get all of that stuff back using BTC but not on layer see, one. See, I think, I think that's a total one. fucking waste of time. And I used to not. And, and here's my belief on that. So it, it used to be the case that everyone thought Bitcoin was the most secure. And they, they probably still do think Bitcoin's the most secure. But when you objectively measure it and you see which network has had more failures and which network has a worse mining ecosystem and which network is less likely to make progress and less likely to get consensus to roll in any improvements, Bitcoin is terrible compared to Ethereum. So G ASIC mining is 65% in China. You can't mine on the network to defend it if you wanted to. But on Ethereum, you can be a GPU guy and a hobbyist and start mining and freemium on board. But you can't Bitcoin. And if you fork, how many forks has Ethereum had rolling out new improvements and becoming a better network? And Bitcoin has had nothing since SegWit two years ago. Just incremental maintenance upgrades, no feature upgrades whatsoever. They won't even engage with you, a guy that's been trying to improve the product for four or five years. Everyone that used to work on Bitcoin is now making money on things that aren't Bitcoin. They're working on Lightning instead. They're working on Liquid instead. They're doing everything else instead. And, and the history of the security is actually fraudulent. Bitcoin has had two inflation bugs, which is the worst bug you can possibly have. And it's spaghetti code that's not modular. And there's no bug bounty program. And so what good thing, why the fuck would anyone build on top of Bitcoin? instead of Ethereum. Okay. That was a lot of points. Okay. Um, so first of all, I do think that Bitcoin's technology is superior to Ethereum's and we see that the Ethereum's lack of foresight kind of is coming out uh, in various ways with problems um, running nodes and centralization. Uh, that story has been told many times and you did make many points here. Let me see. 
What were some of the? I mean, so I can go slow that, and just list them again because it's important. Yes, I think one thing to point out is that um, it, it shouldn't really matter with the whole point of side chains and with drive chain and really with open source philosophy in general and really Friedrich Hayek or Karl Popper kind of philosophy on life is that it shouldn't really matter who's right or wrong as long as we have a, a path toward deleting the mistakes and making ongoing progress. So it's mm. kind of neat that um, drive chain. There's a lot of friction. Yeah. Believe, whether like, you believe that Ethereum is better than Bitcoin core or whether you think Bitcoin cash is better than either or some, whatever you believe you can use whichever software you like. It's the same 21 million coins. Mm. So that is a, that's I don't a agree with anything you just said. <laughs> I don't agree with any of that. Okay. So you're, so you're ignoring that friction exists. So you're making this, you're making this, this binary selection false choice that libertarians tend to make, which is okay. Survival of the fittest. And so we'll just try everything. And then whatever works is what we'll stick with. And if that shit worked, then every neural net in the stock market would just make infinite money. But it turns out that your ability to experiment is restricted by some input resource and you run out of input resource after you run so many experiments. And so you have finite time to build stuff. You have finite places to try it out. You have finite mind share to try and get people to adopt it. And if you, and if you fail any one of those things, your whole project fails. You have to get them all right. I agree with that. I think that's great, but it's not particularly relevant in this case because we have the, the, the finite input, input that you point out, which is absolutely the case. But in our case, finite though it is, it has already produced this, it has already produced Ethereum, it has already produced the shares, it has already produced Ravencoin. Do you, do you, do you think it's useful for people to know that Ethereum has never had an inflation bug, but Bitcoin's had two? Well, you know, that was on your earlier list, so you have to let me get through all of your I don't mind. I'm not trying to look, I don't I'm not trying to skip past anything, bro. Yeah. I, I'm, so I want to learn. Saying, you are saying about there's creativity is finite and I agree. Yeah. And that is neural nets do not they have insufficient creativity and yeah. I completely agree with that. So this is though survival of the fittest in a case where many of the things have already been created. So not only we don't I'm not gonna say we don't need creativity in this case, because we always need it wherever we can get it, but someone has already produced Zcash. So we didn't have to have someone think of it and think of how do we do the. the so my, my position is this. I think if other people do what you did and try and build on Bitcoin, they'll suffer the same fate that you did and waste four years well, of your life. All, if you would have built that shit on Ethereum, it'd already been done and rolled out. This is another adopted. thing that, well, you know, as soon as I finish with Ethereum, they're going to steal it and call it sharding and say it was their idea the whole time. It's, that's so whatever. That's fine. They can do that if they want. That's, that's fine. That's how open but source works, isn't it? That's the idea. Do you want they, them to do that? I agree. Yeah, yeah, no, I say I have to say something else though, which is that it's it's not true that I've been just totally like kicked out of Bitcoin core discussions. I, in fact, I earlier this year I was invited to Austin BitDevs like to give a talk about sidechain. You should be. You're one of the few guys trying. You're one yeah, of the few so guys that, trying to add features to Bitcoin. We, we're still refining and debugging the software, so that's my number one priority is to make sure that and testing the software and making sure that it. Is so it's not even though the idea was really finished and has not changed very much since November 2015. Um, the actual software obviously has changed substantially, and that is there's a lot you know, the details matter a lot, as you know, and as any, everyone who touches software knows, it takes much longer than you anticipate. You know, and I, you know, I don't know, you, you guys in the audience, you don't know 
how little effort I'm really putting in, you know, I'm traveling around the world, I'm doing whatever I want to do. Like, I, I think if you care a lot about this problem, about this problem that people disagree about what the block, their blockchain software should do, and there's no clear like way to resolve disputes over what's too ambitious to change and what isn't, then I think, yeah, a lot of people should be signing up to volunteer and help. But at the same time, um, I realize it's confusing, but I do want to say that it's not completely the case. A lot of people are supporters um, and it's some many extremely influential people in at Blockstream and at Lightning uh, in the Lightning community are some of the biggest supporters, which is very funny and ironic and often uh, kind of overlooked. You, you're going to throw any money uh, into Blockstream cloud mining? Uh, no, I would, I'm sorry. What did you say? I'm not going to put any money in cloud mining block, block stream, cloud mining. You're going to, you're going to throw any money into it. Well, mining, you know, uh, as a, someone with a little bit of experience in economic theory, um, you know, mining is, that's such a brutally competitive thing. You can't do that unless you have some kind of edge that I'm no being snarky, can. but you're missing it. I'm not trying to actually talk about mining. I'm trying to talk about centralization. I don't like that Blockstream has liquid and cloud mining and an ICO launching platform and is in charge of the Bitcoin core repository. I don't like that. Well, they were afraid, like you know, they built a lot of things. They were afraid that other people had, they built it themselves. They, they compete. One thing where I think is, is a, a, a critique of Blockstream that, well, I have two critiques of Blockstream that people don't make a lot. One is really the, how little they actually do considering all the people that they have hired or have worked there for so long and all the, the money they have, they really have, don't produce very much but the second critique i would make that a lot of people don't make is this cultural direction which again is much more important what's in people's minds is much more important than any formal governance institution sure we have a we have speed limits in the united states but we also have rules about on the highway you can go five or seven or ten maybe miles above it if, if everyone else is and you know, in other countries, there are totally different rules about how to drive. You see some of these videos, they're very funny yep. about rule, norms. and So it's what, what's in people's mind is really important. And that is one place where if Blockstream, if some, if employees from Blockstream, just one or two of them say that the project might not be good for whatever reason, that is enough to completely obliterate discussion of the project, which is, that is a real threat. Um, so here, here's this, there's this dilemma, right? It's an open source project. If you don't like what someone's doing, shut the fuck up and do a better job yourself. Cause that's how it works. Right? So on one, on one side, I'm like, yeah, let them do whatever they want. They're a company. They need to eat. They need to make money. Let them do whatever they want. Stop shit talking that I feel that on one side. And on the other side, it's like, they they decided to, you know, reap the rewards of representing like they ran shit and kind of do run shit. And so since if you're going to reap the rewards of acting like running shit and then actually run shit, well, then people are going to look to you to be responsible with that position. So I'm kind of torn on whether to ream them a new asshole or to just let them do stupid things. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's best for the world. Like I, Yeah, me, I mean, they've evolved into a kind of a weird place because they have evolved a lot of prestige that they kind of didn't want but then they did want it in order to defeat segway2x and then they right. were like but we never really wanted it right and now they're in a weird spot they, yep. they are in a really weird spot and there's tremendous diversity 
at Blockstream, there are many people yeah. that I think yep. are just best, absolute best you. people. And there's other people who are like, well, many people have, have left also, but there's a lot of turnover. People have quit, people have been let go. Again, I think some of the people who let go, is, I was amazed they ever got within 100 miles of the front door in the first place. And other right. people who were let go, I'm just like, why were they let go? Because given them, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, look, from my, from my perspective, I think they have an absolutely abysmal business model and that it was a bad business to start in the first place. So, so let's, it, it's weird to do corporate analysis when we're talking about open source stuff, but since they have so much control over the project and so much say in the space, I think it's worth our time. If you start a business, you know, I don't really want to, it's just, uh, you know, it's like, as I say, the critique okay. I think I would make is that they don't, they don't actually do very much. They acquired right. green wallet or green. I think it was the company was green wallet. Uh, I think, or was the company green address? I don't know. Green address, I believe. They're like, you know, they have great people who are there who do their own thing, but they could do their own thing on their own. They don't have to do it there. You know, someone like Andrew Polstro or something. So I don't know. Like, I think, I do think their presence is kind of a distraction, but also I feel like if, if they're they not producing code, they're just would, in the fucking way. I like would it set a bad precedent if they just gave up and on the company, but then just reformed something similar or just shuffled all those people into chain code or something like what difference would it make any difference or make anything better? I don't think it would make any difference. Like, I mean, developers develop and they just need paid. The brand sort of looms, it just looms in everyone's space. And yeah. it is, uh, it's very frightening because yeah. it is yeah, kind of it's centralized. Know, it's a central party that has a lot of power. And lately, it doesn't seem like they're doing good things with it. So, well, it does over the culture. I mean, it's very common to criticize Blockstream when people really just want to criticize the Bitcoin's stance as being very conservative about what it lets in. Although I say that, and then you were talking about the the spaghetti code, which I wanted to react to because yes, I think the the, the code in BTC is is sort of very high quality on one hand, but also just like abysmally insane. On the other hand, and in particular, there's a, one moment that I think is instructive is when they deleted, you know, main.cpp from the project, but they did so in a way that was almost like gleeful and isn't this funny, um, which I think is almost disrespectful to the technical community. Obviously, when people learn C++ on day one, they learn that every project has to have main.cpp and now they're deleting it, which is like this weirdo thing. Although that comment does not you know a lot of these comments do not apply specifically to to blockstream as i've been trying to say this is a general yeah, I know what you mean. thing like I, I don't i don't want to look i don't want to be hard on them. i'm not i'm like i lose followers every time i tell the truth about bitcoin every every time i tell what's really going on in bitcoin i lose followers and it pisses people off because i've got a bag of bitcoin they've got a bag of bitcoin and when you speak the truth about bitcoin everyone thinks they're going to lose money so it makes me sad um, but the since culture, I'm eating... we have evolved a culture of, um, promoting the price of Bitcoin yeah. at, at the expense of talking about the real world. And so it is become increasingly kind of gossipy and self-referential. Yep. And tribal. If you, if you, if you have a say in the space and you're, and, and, if you have a say in the space and you're price positive, then you get to keep your say. But as soon as you say something negative about price, like, hey, we might do a bear market, or 
if you say, Hey, I want these technical decisions to be different, then you're ostracized. And it's like, you don't exist anymore, which isn't how it doesn't, it doesn't keep them intelligent. It doesn't keep them updated. They just keep cutting off different information sources until you, all you're left with is an echo chamber of meat eating, you know, like, I just, yeah. So it's very challenging. I mean, you know, at a certain scale, it's challenging to manage everyone's thoughts and opinions, you know, like you can't discussion has like this n squared thing more people show up. Everyone's got to talk to everyone else. Right. Way, you know, that's why humans have Dunbar's number, just one fifty. Do you want to do you want to talk about hex a bit? Just because I feel like we're about halfway through, you'll get bored or some shit, or your phone will die or something. Yeah, well, let's hear about it. I've heard there's so much drama about it. This is some yeah. kind of like hard fork, but it's on Ethereum. No, nope. you credit none of this. <laughs> yeah, but it is. I know you're not going to say it's a hard fork, but in my no, view, it's not. Anything that takes the UTXO set. Oh, okay, then sure. If if, if you believe using UTXO set as a fork, then yes, it is. Um, I think, no, I mean, it, using Bitcoin's database of who owns which coins. Sure. Yes, it does use that. Maybe I'm just revealing yeah. how little I know about it. No, it does. It does use that. that you, so You've made a lot of people talk about it. So you have the X factor. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, they're saying great things. Great things. We were like seven of 10 pages on the front page of uh, cryptocurrency subreddit yesterday or the day before, which is pretty funny. Yeah, everyone talks about me and not the software, which is funny because the software yeah, is the only thing that matters. Of course, no. Well, as I said, it's gotten very self-referential and gossipy. That the culture, yeah. unfortunately. So, but what what I, I invented? Know. Well, there's a lot to say about you, Richard. Uh, as we know, as we yep. as I've also heard. But yep. you know, I don't know if any of that's true either. Well, like I like me, and I could talk about me all day. But everyone that's watching has heard me do that. So I'll give you the I'll give you the short version of what Hex is. Right. Hex is the world's first blockchain time deposit CD certificate for deposit. Bond, uh, GSC, I think they call it in Canada. It's got a different name, or GIC in Canada. <clears throat> it's got a different name in every country for some reason, but basically you're just saying if you lock your money for longer, you get more interest. We're the first cryptocurrency in the world to do that. I don't know why. It's the second most popular product at the bank. It seems like an absolute no-brainer that if you want to get rid of banks, you got to get rid of all their products. The second most popular product there is the time deposit, and so we built that. Now, what does Bitcoin do? Bitcoin only rewards one behavior. It does not reward developers. Developers do not get free Bitcoin. It does not reward marketers. Marketers do not get free Bitcoin. It does not reward auditors. The only people that are rewarded in Bitcoin with Bitcoin are people that burn electricity, pay electric companies to do so, and pollute the environment as the security model. Those are the only people that are rewarded in Bitcoin. Well, that sucks. There's a better way to incentivize people to have honest and good action. If you control the money supply, you can say, if you perform this good action, you get some inflation. If you perform this good action, you get some inflation. And so in Bitcoin, there's only two pumpamentals. You could double click an EXE and get some free coins, which weren't worth barely anything when, they, when, they, when you got them. Like when I was mining full 50 block rewards, so low with no pool, it was only worth $25 wasn't worth much. And then, you know, the price went up and then you weren't able to do that anymore. Double click in EXE to get some free coins, just stopped working. So freemium went away. And the one pump of mental that did stay is that the inflation rate would drop in half every four years. And so actually in the past, Bitcoin was very inflationary, which is the only way that you can go from zero coins to 18 million coins 
is by inflating a lot because they went from nothing to 18 million in 10 years. So what did I do? I said, all right, what, what do we want? We want to have a referral program to pay people inflation for when they refer other people because it's successful in every industry that uses it. Excellent. What else do we want to do? We want to stop overpaying miners for security theater. In the old days, you used to pay miners to protect you from other people attacking you because there was other people that could attack you. Now there's not. The people that you're protecting yourself from are the same people you're paying. There's no other parties with SHA-256 mining hardware that are going to attack you that aren't already mining. So it's a protection racket. They dump the price a million dollars an hour. All-time high hash rate. Price is three times lower than all-time high. Maximum sell pressure from the miners. Sucks. Shoves the coin price down. And they don't talk to you on Twitter. They don't care what you have to say. They tried to make their own, you know, fork of Bitcoin to kill the original one, which wasn't very nice. Um, so I, I don't, I, I would like to see miners stop being overpaid and dumping the price. And I would like to see people paid to refer people. And I would like to see inflation only paid to stakers. And the longer you lock, the more you're rewarded. And then we're paying stakers to hold the price up and stay, instead of paying miners to dump the price. This is all awesome, innovative stuff. So what do we do? We take the Bitcoin UTXO set, we pull out Mt. Gox so that they can't just dump coins for free, like what they did with Bitcoin Cash, selling 60,000 or 40,000 Bitcoin Cash in the market to, to enrich Mark Karpolis. Well, that's a stupid idea, Bitcoin Cash guys. You should have been smart like me and fixed that. So I fixed it because I did better than they did. So I removed Mt. Gox from the UTXO set, made a Merkle top hash or Merkle root, call it what you will, same thing. And now you can free claim hex with your Bitcoin signature if you held Bitcoin at December 1st, 7 p.m. EST. Now, multi-sig can't claim, penalizes whales. Many, many exchanges uh, use multi-sig. And whales themselves are penalized 50 to 75%. So it activates at 1,000 Bitcoin. Uh, you get cut by 50%. And then it scales up to 75% cut at 10,000 coins, and then it stays there. It's worth noting that 42% of all Bitcoin is held in addresses that hold over 1,000 BTC. And there's only 2,000 such addresses, which means that 42% of Bitcoin is controlled by 2,000 addresses. And most people have more than one address. So it's very likely to be less than 2,000 entities. So it's an extremely concentrated centralized system which would be fine if you were one of those centralized parties, then you would feel good. You know, people that aren't whales wish the whales would go away. People that are whales love being a whale. So Hex doesn't, Hex doesn't get rid of the concept of whales. It just kills the old ones and makes new ones, of which you might be one. So what else do we have in there? So longer pays better, bigger pays better, free claim it. You can transform Ethereum into Hex. It has a bucket every day, one bucket full of Hex, one empty bucket. People put ETH into that bucket. If you're 10% of the ETH bucket, you get 10% of the hex. End of the day, the bucket's empty. Next day, new buckets. And that happens for 351 days, which is basically what EOS did and raised $4.2 billion doing. So it's a very successful um, launch mechanism. And we're very different from EOS in that they had nothing but promises and expectations with no network. And we have no expectations and no promises and totally complete audited three times network done. So. It's the opposite. We're the opposite of an ICO. <clears throat> no promises in all product. And they that's had... really good. Well, thank that, you. You know, you deserve you deserve a lot of people should give you 
um, some respect for that because the trend of just immediately raising with having done no work, collecting all the money in advance, and then usually not even shipping anything is, that was one of the most disheartening yep. developments from the last five years that that was just so prominent and, and ridiculous. I agree. I agree completely. You I had mean, a lot of bullet points there. That was crazy. So this is kind of like a custom hard fork. So it already happened. December 1st was the... December 1st, 7 p.m. was a snapshot. And then the, the contract snapshot. launched on Ethereum uh, as an ERC-20 uh, the next day. And then uh, okay. that was the day that the lobbies opened to start like turning Ethereum into Hex. And then the next day, the free claiming opened because the... Uh, you know, the buckets empty at the end of the day, and that would synchronize the free claimers and the uh, transformers, the adoption amplifier guys that would synchronize them so they could both start their stakes at the same time. Now, to tell you how successful this project has been, over $1 billion of BTC has free claimed their hex, which is over 26,000 Bitcoin addresses, over 146,000 BTC, and over 46,000 stakes have been made, and we're the second most popular uh, app on Ethereum sometimes the first most popular. It's been that way since it's launched. So oh, that's very exciting. So wait, uh, I, you, didn't, you, did, you did have many, again, you had many points and it was difficult for me to understand, particularly that part about Mt. Gox. I don't think I understood at all what you were oh, talking sure. about. Oh, well, the Mt. Gox trustee in, in Japan uh, is licensed by the court to manage the funds that used to be in Mt. Gox, the Bitcoin. Oh, I see what you and mean. And he used to have 200,000 BTC or 193,000. And he sold uh, to pay creditors uh, 40,000 Bitcoin and 40,000 Bitcoin cash. Uh, well, now, it seemed the reasonable decision at the time, didn't it? Say again? It seemed like a reasonable decision at the time. Oh, well, I mean, sure, for him and for the creditors and for Mark Karpolis, it's actually going to get that money before anyone else does. And then they're going to have to resue him for it, I think is how that's going to work. Uh, yeah, it's great for those guys. But is it good for the people that believed in Bitcoin cash to give this guy a bunch of free money so he could dump it on their heads? It's a terrible idea. Didn't do anything good for the world. Giving the trustee of Mt. Gox free money to dump the Bitcoin cash price is a terrible, horrible, stupid idea. You need meritocracy. You should give money to people that have earned it and deserve it. So in Hex, we don't pay miners inflation ever. Fuck those guys. They can earn a penny. And that's what they get paid currently. A penny of Ethereum. I guess when the network's busy, it could be three cents or four cents. Fuck overpaying these guys inflation that they just sell on the market. They're not writing software. They're not improving anything. They're just destroying the planet with uh, with waste for security theater. Really? The so your, your position is they add no value? And uh, Oh, no, sure, they do. They do add value. They, you, we still use proof of work, okay, that was kind but of someone else is already paying for it to happen. So you can derive more efficiency from the waste you already have by yeah, packing yeah, so more energy into it. You are like just like free riding on exactly. blockchain and you exactly. don't need your own mining. Exactly. And it's more secure because if no, we had sir. launched our own chain, we would have less hash rate and would be easily attacked. And if we had a proof of work change, we'd be even more easily attacked. So this was absolutely by far the best way to launch new game theory. Yes. No, I think that's, um, I think that's part of the draw. Uh, that was part of the draw of Ethereum or a really of why a lot of crazy ideas wanted to be tried and they thought they, I mean, they just naturally evolved into all being tried in one blockchain. See, there's a It's so much better. I think there's, I think there's a reason it's better that you might not know. Yes. Okay. Well, let's hear it. 
if you if you want i i never have used a stable coin in my life really maybe on one small exchange for like maybe half a day or something i don't like that i believe crypto is made to get rid of counterparties and a stable coin is the opposite you're adding counterparties so i don't like it but you know what the rest of the world loves it totally loves it they absolutely love stable coins and really, if you had Bitcoin at 20K and changed them for stablecoin, you did real good because now you could buy back for 6,800 or 7,000. So if you want to use a stablecoin of Bitcoin, you know what you got to do? You got to leave the chain and you got to go through a central counterparty that could fuck you and not give you what you paid for to try and get into a stablecoin. You got to go through an exchange. I go through an exchange, yes. But in Ethereum, you don't have to because it's all in the same chain. They've got a stablecoin on the chain. Right. If you want anonymity in Bitcoin, fuck yourself. You're going to have to go off chain. So you're going to have to go through an exchange to get to Monero or try and mix. And that mixing shit doesn't work very well at all. Or so. OK, so here we have no, Bitcoin. Certainly, right. I agree that it's better when it's all in the protocol. Yeah. Um, so good. But, you know, that's not actually a fundamental difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Because it's a huge, it is. It is. Stuff, you could, we had counterparty and that you could have had. No, uh, but there's a big difference know. between a first tier citizen of a network and a As second tier know, citizen. It was originally only on, um, it was only on Bitcoin. It was an Omni. So. Yeah. They sw So Tether switched from using Omni on Bitcoin to ERC 20 because it's better. They moved all their transactions over or 70% or of their transactions from Omni over to Ethereum. Well, so they, they, you know, they added support for balls and then. The, they still have support for both, but they moved everything over because it's better on Ethereum. And by the way, that's that coin does more volume than any other cryptocurrency in the world. So for them to for the most commonly used cryptocurrency in the world, which is Tether, to switch its volume from Omni to to ERC twenty, is the strongest vote you could possibly have for which network's better. Because the people oh, that are using think, that's definitely not the case. I think. Well, I mean, I understand what you're trying to say, but you know that it's not simply i mean this this is just a one-dimensional um thing this, about like which one more people are using today or recently and you know as you know the, the network can be networks can be designed in a way so the fees are lower and the user experience is better but the overall long-term effect is uh detrimental which is exactly what ethereum is doing it's not that so much killing the goose that lays the golden eggs but slowly like you might want to check in on what the theorem has been up to lately, man, because it's not the same game anymore. It's totally different now. So they've got like thousand X on chain scaling through ZK rollups and optimistic rollups that are like forked well, in now that they can start. Yeah, well, there have been, I think I agree with, you know, I always hated Ethereum and I still, still hate it, but I want to retell this story of how. Bitcoin was this amazing innovation. And then you had stuff like Litecoin, which is like a copy and paste. And then you had many ideas that were just the absolute worst idea ever. And they were those these are the ideas that are being like tried in 2014 or something. And um, and then you had Ethereum, which, you know, by all the signs was like the biggest scam ever. And in, indeed, from what I heard was just one or two chance coincidences away from collapsing completely sure um uh but i have to say that i think you're right to ask people to look at it a second time because yeah. just it's the sheer game. um 
what I'm trying to say is that in the past, it was like every single red flag that you could possibly raise mm-hmm. was raised, and it was like the worst project ever. But since then, many of those red flags have, have gone away, and so it still looks yep. like a bad project, but I do think that people... Well, let, myself, let me give an example. Saying that it was like the absolute worst thing in the universe. Uh, now I think it could just merely be bad or something, but I think definitely people should look at it. Uh, well, let me let me let me try and defend them. And like, element. so in in hex, the only thing it's, it doesn't have. The one development is that they actually did ship something, which is that for a while they had shipped nothing. I mean, they, we do hear all this stuff about proof of stake. Is proof of stake has been three months away for like the yeah. last six years yeah i know that's how software is though but you know that's how every piece of software is particularly blockchain software hex was late a year lightning's been late three years sidechain has been late five years sharding has been late four years you know like no i agree that 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 is a property of software yeah particularly blockchain software where you, you can't just ship it you have to get consensus as well it's harder so in Hex, we want anonymous transactions and we want privacy because those, that fungibility is an important, an important, important, important part of being a human. You can't speak the truth unless you can speak the truth privately. If you have to tie your identity to everything, you can't speak the truth. Uh, it, you can't even, it's a United Nations right that you just can't over surveil people, it fucks them up. So you just, the, people know that that is bad and people want their privacy and their security. My favorite book, so. Say again? Preaching of the Choir. I said 1984 is like my okay. favorite book. So there you go. Right. The over here to me. Yeah. Pushing at an open door, as George Orwell used to say. Right. So if uh, if you want anonymity in Bitcoin, you cannot get it on chain. It's not available. You have to go somewhere else. And the one thing that I regretted about building Hex was that we didn't have anonymity. Well, guess what? Now we do. So there's a... Uh, there's a product called uh, tornado.cash, which is a contract that does ZK snarks on Ethereum and has an anonymity set. And then, you know, groups transactions by their size and their sets appear to be like about a thousand members right now. And, uh, you know, it's open source and it's been audited. And uh, there's somebody that I know that's, you know, making a fork to allow hex transactions to use that style of mixing so that anyone that wants to securely and anonymously transmit hex to other users can do so. Now, I see. So it's like a it's like a um, Ethereum plugin or something. Right. Well, it's another contract. So so all these contracts can talk to each other on the same chain, and then there's no middlemen, and it's beautiful and it's distributed finance. You want to get you want to use a stablecoin? Bam! It's right there. You want to you want to use uh, this thing as collateral for this other thing? Go ahead. You want to make a contract that encapsulates and wraps another contract and do other types of logic? Go for it. It's truly programmable money. So when people bought Bitcoin, what they really thought they were buying was Monero because they thought it was anonymous, but it's not. And then when they heard about, you know, programmable money and all that shit when they bought their Bitcoin, that's actually Ethereum. Ethereum is actually programmable money. Monero is actually private money. And now with Tornado Cash, I, I believe Ethereum is also private money. Um, you would have to, in theory, wait till the anonymity sets were as large as Monero's, I think, depending on how strong the ZK snark stuff is. So it's like, still awesome. Like we got anonymity for free because we chose the right platform. 
we're getting scaling increases for free because we chose the right platform. We have oh, that's what you, okay. Yeah, I understand. I was like, I didn't know what you meant there. Yes, you again. You've you you're really good with 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 all these bullet points. There's just so many sometimes. Yeah. There's a shitload of them. Yeah, so many. But, uh, so you're saying that Ethereum is great because people will write weird little contracts like zk yeah. tornado yep. and yep. Um, zk rollups, yep. which gives you benefits. Yep, and they'll keep writing them, and they'll keep getting in. Yeah. And that's, that well, won't stop. Um, it will just keep getting better. Have you heard of uh, Have you heard of Uniswap? Uh, yes. No, I have not heard of it. Oh, it's awesome. It's Another it's an time. automated market maker. So it uses what's called uh, X times Y equals K as a market maker. And so you just put in two different uh, currencies, right? So you can put in like Hex and ETH. And, and there is. There is a, a Uniswap market for Hex. We're on 10 exchanges now because we chose the right ecosystem. People can turn us on an exchange with a click of a switch because it's an ERC-20. So you put in ETH and you put in HEX. And then if people uh, transform one thing into the other, it reduces one and makes the other higher. And then it just automatically changes the price because it uses like their product as the price. So it's just like uh, it, you have an order book you don't have an order book it's an exchange that just always works and always shows you what your ratio is and then there's no yeah there's no no, order I, actually, matching. I actually very i know exactly how automated market maker um okay. works but i don't know if anyone in your audience will <laughs> right yeah that's, well they have that totally and it works amazing and it's free and it's audited and they didn't even make any money on it they literally just built it out of a grant from the ethereum foundation he could have got so rich on that, but he was honest and did his work, you know, as a, as a college dude, as a college uh, person that was in school and uh, just built this amazing thing that had he, had he done a, uh, an ICO for it probably would have got 30, 60 million or something, but instead, <laughs> go ahead. That's a good point. It is weird. Uh, the temptation to do the ICO looms yep. tremendously. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, these, well, it's true that younger people do like Ethereum. That's uh, to me, that's sort of one of the drawbacks that it appeals to um, kind of naive and sort of maybe abstract. <laughs> but like, things. but it, it's doing everything that Bitcoin wishes it could do. Is there an automated market making exchange yeah, that's trustless yeah. and peer to peer on Bitcoin? No, yeah. but it's on Ethereum. Uh, you know, there were, that's you know, it's funny because again, the counterparty did have the DEX, which was something like that. Which is very funny. I mean, we we part of what we've t we've been discussing has been retreading this point about that there was there was a dream and it failed. Color coins on Bitcoin. There was a dream point, but... and it was tried and it failed. It fucking failed. Bitcoin was supposed to be a currency. It, really it didn't work. Tried. Bitcoin was supposed to be a currency. It did not work. Less people accept it now than 2017. There's less on-chain volume. There's less new people getting on. There's less Google searches. There's less Twitter searches. There's been no fucking upgrades to the feature set. 2017, the when there was this big bubble that yeah, you know that's not really. Um, I think that would be expected even if it's but it's still lower than like fucking 2016 too. It's shittier than before the bubble. It's it's really shit. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not familiar with any of those numbers, but don't. I, my understanding is that if you compare things like uh, media activity, Google searches, and things for Ethereum and Bitcoin, Bitcoin oh no, Bitcoin's up. crushing Ethereum, sure, yeah, yeah. and those things, yeah. yes. So yeah. If your model, I'm not, is, I'm not saying Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm not saying perfect. Ethereum got better fucking retail adoption than Bitcoin did because Bitcoin, as yeah, bad as yeah. it is, is still doing better than Ethereum at retail adoption, sure. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what I'm wondering about why you are bringing it up. This because your, uh, because I, I am solving all of these fucking things with Hex. So oh, we I have see. got, so people talk about Hex being a scam and it blows my goddamn mind because it's the opposite of a scam. They're scammers that used well, to promote. No, let's hear it. This is the big, this is, yeah. what, I, this is what I'm interested in personally because sure. this is where the drama is. I'm yeah. just like, oh. They're scammers that used to promote BitConnect. You know? Yeah. Trayvon James and Craig Grant used to promote BitConnect. Now they promote Hex. Why? Because they see this shit will pop off. They see it's got virality to it. They see that it's got stickiness to it. It's addictive for them to use. They use it a lot. They get a lot of referrals and they stake their coins and they, they ladder their stakes. Yeah, you have a, some kind of referral thing, which is sort of shady, but maybe not. How, totally how is referral shady? Amazon has referrals. Well, one thing is that it is a, um, a hazard to truth because you don't know if people are saying what they're going to believe or saying something just to... If you, if you think anyone's being truthful when they show you your crypto bag, I have fucking news for you. They don't yeah, even understand what they own to even tell I you the truth if they wanted to. I agree that merely owning any, any asset, including crypto, possibly especially crypto, but... You, everyone wants has a temptation to talk up their own book, as yeah. they say. I sure. agree that that, yeah. that it's not specific to, to head. So, but if you have a referral surplus, then I guess it would apply double, would it not? If you don't think someone should be incentivized to share something good with you that you benefited from, you're a prick. People should be rewarded for doing good, honest things. And sharing something that is good that benefits your life with you is something someone should be rewarded for. Yeah, it's not inherently bad. I just say it's a yeah. hazard. A hazard to sure. Choose. Okay. Yeah, sure. Agree. Anyway, um, but you have to Yeah, a lot of people it. use it for it's evil. Look, it's a, it's so a, it's, not like a, it's a force multiplier. Thing. You can use it for evil or you can use it for good. It's just like a gun. A referral program is like a gun. If you're a good guy, it's going to make you a better good guy. If you're a bad guy, it's going to make you a better bad guy. Mm. So okay, what matters is... I the, really get that, but anyway, please describe it anyway. Sure. How it works. Well, it just if, if someone... If someone clicks your link to go to the site and they transform Ethereum into Hex or free claim their Bitcoin, they get 10% more by, free, by using your link and you get 20% on top of what they got and the currency inflates 32% to pay you guys. That's it. Oh, that's very neat. Yeah. And there's no sign up. There's no statefulness. It just logs a cookie inside the browser. So you literally are just going to hex.win uh, forward slash question mark R equals your Ethereum address and that's your referral link. And now you can you can send that to anyone you want in the world, and you'll be incentivized for you know them turning Ethereum into hacks or uh, free claiming uh, their their free Bitcoin to hacks. Uh, well, I don't completely understand how it all works, but don't people just refer themselves so that they make sure that they get? They can try to, but there's some logic in there that prevents it. So they can do it. It is possible to do it, but we make it a challenge to do it. Because okay. we want we want honest referrers to be rewarded for the honest work that they've done. So yes, we, but then you have so the other thing I was interested in is you have some kind of like um, the the kind of shtick or the story, the culture, the all important culture that I was talking about. You have sure. some kind of premium on holding 
or hodling, I should say. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that makes the price go up. Yes, yeah, so we didn't actually get to talk about your earliest point about the CD, about how sure. it works, locking works. This is turning into a great commercial, but I mean, I'm loving it personally. Look, it's if it's like, I think it's great. I think this is actual innovative funny. stuff. This is this is not like, hey, we changed the proof of work bullshit. We changed everything. We changed the economics. We changed the game theory. We're punishing the whales. We're doing social engineering. Like, yeah, I we, think that's very funny. You have a very like uh, custom, bespoke, hard fork. Yep. Trimming some of the balances. Yep. Sort of. It's very funny. I think it's it's neat. It's definitely it's definitely going to be. I hope someone somewhere writes. It'll be an interesting story. You want some other killer things that you haven't heard about yet? Auto staking. If you free claim, you're locked for 350 day minimum, 90%. So you got to hold that bag and watch it to care oh, I about see. it. The people cannot sell. This is kind of like uh, the, the vault in OneCoin. <laughs> I don't actually know about OneCoin, OneCoin or, or BitConnect very much. I should have researched them truthfully because they, they were quite successful. Well, of course, all these things, you know, you see these problems, they want these dishonest projects want a way to trap innocent people, um, prevent them from ever redeeming, you know, sure. pyramid scheme or whatever, yep. once everyone never be able to redeem so that the people at the top can redeem at the opportune moment yep. in the foul swoop, take all the money off the table. Yep. So of course, like, it's like all very suspicious and weird. I don't, honest, I don't honest projects do that too. That's what a vesting period is when you start a startup. Yeah, you you are right about that. Yeah, so we so, want people to have skin in the game, but you know it's a little bit more easily when a startup. There's a, a little bit more logic to it. See, this <laughs> people is, who see, have the most inside information usually are locked the longest. With this, I don't know if that's the case. Seems a reverse, maybe. But I, again, I don't really know anything about. It. Sure. So the the other thing is, how many people were served well by dumping their Bitcoin bags any time between now and ten years ago? Almost everyone yeah, almost. would have been done way better if they couldn't touch their bag. So if you have an honest project with a tr product market fit and adoption, it seems like keeping your hands off it could be a really fabulous thing. Yeah, you have a suicide pact. You and everyone else are all not, you're all in it together. You're all in it for the long haul. You're not going to sell. Well, that we were the, we're the first cryptocurrency in the world with a chart of future market supply, not total supply, but total supply and market supply. So you can see, you can go to hexstat.com, singular, hexstat.com. You can see a chart of when everyone's stakes are ending. And 80, about 85% of the currency is staked. So. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I got I to gotta hand it to you. That's kind of neat. Uh, you know, especially as someone who knows about different monetary aggregates, as they're called, you know, M1, M2. Yep. like money is like a, sometimes it's described as an adjective and not as a. Well, money's primarily credit, but people don't realize it. It's like nine-tenths credit and one-tenth actual money. Well, money takes many, many yeah. forms, um, so, which is interesting. So you have uh, struck on that note. Well, I mean, we Although, should again, have... You understand, why people, you understand why people be um, suspicious of it, though, for the reasons... The reason everyone's suspicious is because of the marketing. I'm good at marketing. And so I looked at why people buy Bitcoin and why people buy Ethereum. The real reason why, because they want to make money. And so I speak to that real reason. And I say, this cryptocurrency hex is designed to go up 10,000 X in two and a half years. Might not do it, might go to zero, but its design intention is to go up in price through having these unique features.
time locking, world's first blockchain city, world's first charter future market supply, referral system, penalize the whales, you know, auto, freemium onboarding, auto staking that locks them up for at least a year. They can choose to stake longer. The longer you stake, you can make up to three times the shares at a 36, 41 day stake, which is about 10 years. Um, so do I know what will happen? I have no idea. Price could go to zero. But I also know what's possible. And what's possible is that this does something better than Bitcoin or Ethereum did. And when I quote 10,000 X, people think that I'm like retarded, like that number is not reasonable. But they don't realize that Bitcoin's up 700,000 X and was up 2 million X in 2017. And more actually, but I'm just choosing a penny as a starting point. So I'm not, I'm not choosing an outrageous number. I'm choosing a very reasonable number. I'm saying it's a possibility and that I have no idea what it'll do. But they see that language and their little pea brains are like, scam, 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 it's gotta be a scam. Well, dude, Bitcoin's already up 75 times higher than what I'm talking about. So, so <laughs> well, like- yeah, You are good at marketing. That's psychology that's called an anchor. But uh, kind of. yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty neat, um, you know, it's funny is that uh, obviously it sounds like a crazy project and personally I remain extremely- Why don't skeptical. you claim your free hacks, man? You've had yeah, some Bitcoin, you, right? You're giving, it is funny, you, you're hitting a lot of, you've engineered it to evade many criticisms in a kind of clever way because you're just giving away free money. And you're right that it really isn't, I'm trying to think, I'm thinking about like, you know, the certificate of deposit at a bank. And I'm also thinking about the way that uh, FDIC insurance works at a commercial mm -hmm. bank in the United States. And you're mm -hmm. like, it's kind of funny, like that it's really the tier one capital requirements and all these things these Basel treaties and whatnot. Um, and it's funny that it isn't quite, I don't know what it says more about hex or about traditional banking, but you know, it isn't, it's less different than you might think, which, uh, which I find to be amusing. Well, see, this is why I love talking to you. When I talk to people that are smart, there's no disagreements. Like every time I have a chat with someone, everyone treats it like it's a debate because I spend so much time correcting people. On okay. Things. Well, I could definitely get, well, you know, well, here's one, here's the big, like, sure. The big thing is you're selling this, you have this idea of making a lot of money that is a kind of wishful thinking dream that, mm -hmm. again, major hazard to truth. Wishful thinking is very effective at <laughs> deceiving people. And it's it's so also very effective at building amazing like things. Big, uh, you're selling like a really big dream that uh, some people will um want to believe and then they their brain will shut off and um yeah sure brain. yeah but you know what they're gonna do that same shit for something worse mate so if you if you mm. care about let's talk about killing scams let's talk about killing them you have three options to kill scams regulatory they don't have enough money they don't have enough enforcement they only come after the fact after all the money's already been stolen they barely any, ever get any of it back and even if you could solve all those problems you'd only solve them in countries with good governments and a lot of countries in the world have fucked up governments so even even those countries wouldn't be able to benefit from your your regulatory innovation you could beg the people to stop getting scammed and be smarter but you don't have a marketing budget to reach them to reach the people and when you when you try and tell them not to get scammed they don't believe you because the scammers have a better story than you and a better marketing budget so if anyone did even hear you warning them you would they wouldn't take your advice cuz i tried other people tried they fell for all that shit anyway right 2017 i was screaming real loud and everyone got rich and then oh, everyone yeah, got all poor <laughs> yes so it doesn't um, work so you know what could work question is very the suppression strategies uh, as you say, in this world, the DeFi world, 
the world uh, on the internet where people could be in different countries and have no identity. I agree that that's unlikely to, to work. I don't even think, you know, I mean, even in the United States, a lot of these projects, they, they do the ICO and they raise a ton of money and then they, they buy the lawyers or, uh, you know, I, I suspect the regulators as well. So I know what you're talking about. It's called regulatory capture. You can read oh, about course. it on deepcapture.org. So it, if you, if you want to actually stop scams from scamming so much, I'm the guy that actually came up with a solution. I'm the only guy talking about it because I guess mm. I invented it. Right. You starve them out like you starve a bacteria. Starve you, them out. Yeah. Yes. There's a well, bacteria. That was, you know, that's funny. That was originally the sidechain pitch as well. Great. There you go. There'll just be no story. There'll be no good story that uh, an altcoiner can tell because yep. even hypothetically, if they did invent something, it would be copied into a sidechain of Bitcoin. And then there you go. You know, no basis. For Similar story. Cool. I agree with that strategy, but yep. I don't know if, you know, is, is well, I've already taken away the, the, the instantiation of that strategy. I don't know. Maybe I've um, already in the real world seen it working, taking people that used to promote scams and now they promote something good. It's really that easy. Yeah, this is not a question. This is fact instead of, um, whatever they're not promoting BitConnect or some other bullshit Ponzi scam. Yeah. They're promoting hacks, which means that the bullshit Ponzi scams they could be promoting like cloud token in Asia. They're not fucking promoting them because they're promoting Hex. So mm. Hex is out competing for resources and mindshare, the food source that the fucking scammers are operating on. I it's understand. You want to scale. It's very interesting. You're saying it's more efficient for everyone to pile on on um, on shilling for this one thing with referrals and with um, bonuses yep. for hope. For, for hodling and things but you know it actually unfortunately i mean even though it is it's very clever it is circular reasoning is it not it's just assuming that the, this project will work and therefore well, it's better it, to it's show speculation it, even if it does work it's still probably going to drop 85 95 percent at some point because that's just what crypto does but the question is Agreed. will it come back again see the difference between bitcoin and dogecoin is not that much. Bitcoin dropped eighty-five uh, percent. Dogecoin dropped ninety-four percent. Wow, big difference. Store value. Tell me more about store value. Shit drops eighty-five percent every three years. Shit store value. Garbage. Not much better than anything else in crypto, really. <laughs> you really think that Bitcoin and Dogecoin are really not that different? All you gotta do is look at the chart. You literally just have to look at the chart. What's in people's minds is much more important than any piece of software code um but also this huge massive network effect of bitcoin of bro if your shit drops 85 percent every three years you have to quit with the like we're better than everyone else from a price perspective thing because you're not the, oh well I mean, like bnb has outperformed uh, bitcoin by 450 fucking drops, x drops a large amount only after it has risen and even sure Larger, larger amounts. So yes, but that's but, what I find to be yep. really annoying is that you have, if you went to sleep, you could go to sleep in uh, whatever 2013 or something, and people would say, "Oh, Bitcoin crashed 90 percent to two dollars," yep. and then you can wake up two years later, and people will say, "Oh, Bitcoin crashed 50 percent to to 700 dollars or something," right. and then you can go to sleep and then wake up and you can say, "Oh, Bitcoin crashed and again. It crashed," uh, in, you know, in in. Uh, I know. I've seen the video. This guy did a YouTube video of it. Bitcoin crashed to forty percent to to six thousand dollars, and you'd be like, "But I'm I'm the one that's being the most honest about this." 
I am the one that's being the most honest about this, more honest than anyone else in the fucking space. I am the one that tells you that Hex and every other cryptocurrency that's not a stable coin is extremely likely to drop 85 to 95%. Do you think Pomp is going on television and saying that? No, he's saying, if you don't believe in Bitcoin, you don't believe in cryptography. That's what he's fucking saying. So I'm the honest one that tells people what is very likely to actually happen. I'm the one that's out competing scams for resources and saving people from losing all their money to a scam. I'm the one that's building new and innovative game theory, monetizing time instead of hash rate. I'm the one that's improving the environment, getting the miners to destroy it less by not overpaying them, by just paying them fees instead of inflation. I'm the one giving people ability to get, you know, perhaps very wealthy if things work out, uh, giving them free coins. I'm only giving free coins to Bitcoiners. There's so many amazing things here. And yet I get screamed at and yelled at constantly for writing code that is openly viewable and audited and awesome. And everyone that uses it likes it very much. But the whole rest of the world that's never used it, they just scream at the top of their lungs, scam, scammer, scam, scammer, scam. And you're like, why? Oh, I'll tell you why. Lately, what's, what people are talking about is there's an origin address that gets half of the bonuses. So right now, from what I've seen in the Block Explorer, it looks like it's gotten 45%. People are like, ah, I hate it. I hate it. I'm like, okay, you hate that. XLM went top 10 crypto with 80% in the foundation. XRP went top two crypto with uh, 60% and basically a single, single party. Let's look at what the other top 10 cryptos did. And let me, let me see their ownership uh, you know, structure. And what you'll find is that a lot of most, I would say, cryptocurrencies that have done very well and entered the top 10 do have some giant ass whales that hold some. And so the game isn't actually destroying whales, it's trying to become a whale. But since no one else studies the top 10 and they don't even know about some of these projects, they just scream scam. And really, if you think about it, how much extra price appreciation do you have to have to make up for somebody getting 45%? A 1.6X, a 1.8X or something? That's not, doesn't seem like a big price to pay for the thing existing in the first place. Would you prefer it not exist at all? Because that was the other option, right? Yeah, so well, you just, raised some interesting points. One, I have a question. Um, so when you, the only people getting free coins are Bitcoin, Bitcoin UTXOs. And refers, but they got to kind of get referrals, right? Oh, yeah, but they only get the referral right. if, sure. from the claimed Bitcoin. Or transformed. They also get, uh, if you transform Ethereum into Hex. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, but there's no, you know, the, on day one, it's all credited to the December 1st, 7 p.m. Yeah. Yes. Bitcoin UTXO is that. Yep. And it's really the first block yeah. after that moment, but it's close enough. Yeah, well, I originally take as a, you know, I do take the um, Dan Krawitz original view of hard forks, which is that you really should just, um, you should just not uh, complain about getting a free experiment. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I have another point about, um, Yes, one thing that always made me curious was there was Zcash and then there was the fork of Zcash that had all of the, you know, the founder inflation tax yep. stuff removed. Yep. And I thought, you know, I definitely if you had asked me years ago to predict or as a student of economics to predict or whatever, you would say, of course, of course, the one without the extra inflation taxes will do better. It will just, at best, it will copy the first project. 
will copy any it never works it, it never works anywhere it doesn't and even work in normal cereals it well, doesn't work in deodorant well, even though the inflation tax in zcash is 20 percent. it was 20 percent. it's probably about 10 people do not seem to care yep they have to somehow face i have to somehow have to you know you know what i mean I have, this is like refutes yep this refutes this this belief that i had and so i'm forced to believe that people really just out of some kind of ethical cultural reason some kind of curiosity their quest it's, it's just a showing point progress, they they prefer to they prefer to have, but what is the showing point the code or the brand like it, it doesn't really make sense because the ticker symbol code, sorry it's the ticker symbol and everything tied to it. Yeah, the ticker symbol. If you, you, if know, you make a new fork of Bitcoin. You know, the, some exchanges have different ticker symbols. Yeah, I, so I'm not, I'm not really saying the like letters. I'm, I'm saying that people buy the shit not to use it. They buy it to get rich. And since they're buying it to get rich, it's a Keynesian beauty contest, and they only give a yeah. fuck about what other people you are buying. You think that they would care even more. You think that it would be even easier to get rich without the inflation tax. You were just complaining earlier about miners dumping the coins. Oh, you know what? Dumping. I have an example for you that I think could prove this for you. I just think it blew my mind, this fact that, that whatever Z Classic or whatever it was so, could be consistently underperforming to Zcash. Right? Just find that it yep. was a big eye-opener for me i just so if you crazy. i had to i had to learn from the market too i didn't think the most used cryptocurrency in the world would be a stable coin and i had to learn from the market you know i thought oh you can't have 80 percent in a foundation there's no way it's just unfair nope turns out it works really well what matters what matters isn't the ownership structure it's that no one sells doesn't matter who the fuck doesn't sell right hey uh i've got a guy with 80 percent. he never sells okay now I've got two guys with 40%, they never sell. Okay, now I've got 10 guys with 8%, they never sell. It doesn't matter what the type of person is as long as they never sell. That's that's the important part of, of cryptocurrency going up is that people just don't sell it. And in, and in fact, most people don't sell their Bitcoin because what really would you sell it for? No one accepts that shit. You're gonna sell it back for cash and pay some big capital gains. You know, like it's, it's, it's yeah, not- The cutthroat, dogmatically rational people would be in Z classic, but then they would sell because they're too rational. The idealist believers are in Zcash and they don't sell. And that is why price goes, stays up in your, in your view. Although I have to tell you that I don't really think selling makes the price go down either because every time you sell, someone else is buying. So that uh. actually doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. You have an inflation tax and people are readjusting their portfolio to claims more of society's resources and surrender some of what the inflation tax. I know what you mean yeah. when you said um, that. I assure you that people selling does make the price of things go down. No, but every time someone sells, someone else is buying. It's the exact same event. No, it is not. It is not at all because you're missing a very important piece of data, which is the price at which the event is occurring. And so, yes, one, sire, one seller always has a buyer, but the fucking price changes. And that's what slippage is literally in an oh, order yeah, book. You are right. It's a different side of the order book. You right. know, I agree. Okay. But it's not nearly, it's current owners and so prospective yeah. owners agreeing at lower prices. Yes. But at that so, point, it becomes a tautology. Of course, that would lower the price. Right. Okay. That's the so reason the prices move so much. Even though there's always yeah, a buyer for a seller. Really trying to say anyway. Yeah. So my, my point is, I saw a lot of things that were wrong with crypto. 
and I fix them and I fix them and I fix them and I fix them. And we've got amazing product market fit now. We've got amazing adoption now. We're on 10 exchanges in 11, or we're in 10 exchanges in like 11 days. We've got like three stats websites that there's every possible statistic you could think about, how long people are staking, what the average stake is, what the median stake is, what the late penalties are. Oh, there's more things in this. If you, if you don't- if you, a mousetrap. Yes, we built a better mousetrap. If you, if you don't end your stake when you said you would, you start getting destroyed by fees. And half those fees go to the other stakers and half those fees go to this origin address. So the origin address basically just gets a copy of whatever bonuses you got. So if you got a speed if you bonus. have your money in the vault, but you don't take it out. Yeah. Then you start getting annihilated by fees. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And it's, yeah. it's your advantage to have other people forget yes. or have their computer catch on fire. Yeah. And they're supposed to. Yeah. Or, or to have um, Ethereum miners or whatever sensor yeah. in their yep. movie. All that shit. Okay. True. Well, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Now, yeah, it, sounds, it does sound crazy. Yes, it does. How do we cancel the crazy out a little bit? So first, the reason that exists is someone has to update the system state, and you are the one that created shares, which diluted everyone else and made everyone else get paid less. And so you need to pull your shares out because there's no automatic in blockchain. Someone has to run the software. So in Hex, you run the software. Only you can mint your own coins. Only you can mint your own rewards. Only you invented your private keys. No one else can do it for you. You're doing all the work, just like a Bitcoin miner. Bitcoin miner invents his own rewards. He doesn't ask anyone for them. No one hands them to him. He makes his own rewards for himself, and Hex works the same way. You make your own word rewards for yourself. So when you, uh, when you make a stake, it, it creates shares. We have a share price that only goes up forever. It's how we do compounding. Otherwise, short stakes would beat long stakes by continually recompounding. And so we have longer stakes outperforming shorter stakes by having a share price that only goes up. So that if you end your stake, the system looks to see if you're the highest profit that's ever been made. And if it is, you get set as the new price. So then if you try and get back in, you do absolutely no better than you left. You get the same shares that you left with. But everyone else that had a lower ratio profit than you did, they end up getting worse. If they have to get back in, they get less shares. So it's this a- very confusing for me. When you say share price, you mean the sure. price of X for ETH? No. Uh, the amount of shares that you get when you stake, you get right. You so when you stake, when you stake, the amount of shares that you get for your stake is based on the share price. See. Okay. Yeah. And it's neat to have a chart of something that only goes up, which is it's mathematically equivalent to compounding. So we could either inflate it's computationally inefficient to inflate the shares for all the old guys that were in early. It's more efficient to just reduce the shares for the new guys by having a share price. And we have a cool price chart that only goes up. It's, it's awesome. I kind of invented it. I'm pretty excited about it. I've never, I've never seen any other system that uses maximum ROI of any participant to set the new share price. I invented that, and it's amazing. I think. Um, that sounds at least intriguing. Yeah. So th there's there's a shitload of innovation here, a shitload, and people are just too dumb to notice. I don't get it. They just keep yelling scam and don't actually look at what we're doing. Um. So it's just it's like caution. It's it, you know very advisable for people to be very cautious about anything they it, invest in. Sure. Although certainly, if you're being given something for free, again, that's a very clever way of stepping around. Yeah, we, we do a lot of clever stuff here, man. So I wanted to tell you, there's two more parts of that. You can emergency end your stake, and you'll get annihilated by fees, dependent on how much of your stake you said you were going to do and you didn't do it. So if you serve half your stake, you'll get out with your principal. 
pretty sure. If you don't serve half your steak, you're going to get your principal eaten into. And so someone for fun made a 5,555 day steak, which is the max. And then like ended it the next day. I think he got beat for like 98% or 86% or something is how much he got beat for. So, got it. and guess who that, guess who that penalty goes to? It goes the to half the stakers and half the origin. Oh, so, that's the origin. Oh, sure. Origin. Yeah. The origin's yeah, happy. The castle. Origin's okay, a happy camper. Great. Yeah. And you know what? what Satoshi's a happy camper creative. too. And the guy, that's the guy that invented XRP is a happy camper and Vitalik's a happy camper and you know, Charlie Lee's a happy camper and fucking fluffy pony. You know, it turns out people that invent things that get mass adoption, they do well. And that's, what makes the world a better place. So. Mm, yeah. Well, there's a kind of privatization. There's a commons problem for these open source software projects that partially is addressed by making someone the owner. Well, I mean, Not really what I like, but, uh, it does happen. Yes, it's true. When there's one big owner, they are the, it privatizes the project. It usually works. It usually works. So most, most, common. most public companies were private companies first and they were successful as private companies. And like, Oh, that's not what I mean about being publicly or privately traded. I'm just saying like, um, I'm talking about centralization of power structure. When you feel if you advocate for Bitcoin, for example, as Roger Veer did, Roger Veer is another example in the early days. You advertise for Bitcoin, those benefits accrue to all the Bitcoin holders, not just you. So it benefits, it's, it's a little bit more logical if you are a very large holder. Because Depending on whether they had a three-year time horizon or not. If, you were, if you're a Bitcoin marketer guy and you're not honest like I am and tell people that it crashes 85% rather often, and you get someone to buy into Bitcoin that doesn't have a three-year investment horizon, you could be destroying that guy's life. Because he could be buying the it's fucking time. I do always. It's funny that you've mentioned that because I do always say people tell people that they should be thinking about it for three years. Yep. Um, which is interesting that you use the same number as I do. But yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's true on the chart. Really it's on a fucking chart. I you know. And you, um, it really doesn't go down eighty-five percent if you zoom out. But it, that's yep. only if you zoom. Yep. So, so you have to. I speak truth about this stuff, and I'm very specific about what I say. And I do the best I can to educate people. And it just blows my mind that people dare come to me and call me scammer when I've had no way to pay me money, no donation address, no shopping cart, no fucking paid groups, nothing. I give away free books. I wrote two self-help books. I give away free uh, videos with ads turned off. I give away free uh, trading chat room, price calls, now free tokens. And I've been doing this for years. And how dare people come and call me a scammer? It just blows my mind. It's like, God damn, what is fucking wrong with you fucking people? I don't think well, you know, you can see how it does look very suspicious. Um, sure, I it think, looks that way, yeah. but you have to fucking, if you don't like it when fiat people call Bitcoin a scam, then you got to stop calling everything else a scam, right? They don't, they, fiat people call Bitcoin a scam because they don't understand it. Bitcoin people and other crypto people call hex a scam because they don't understand it. It's hypocrisy. Be the change you want to see in the world. If you're tired uh, of being Bitcoin, called a scam. Bitcoin and Hex are both creative uh, in a sense that they, they sort of are new and unlike older things. But, um, you know, the phrase creative accounting is a kind of negative. It's a kind of slur <laughs> saying, like, why isn't it clear? Why isn't it? Why? You know, if you switch from the way things were done in the past to something new, you could be doing that for good purposes or 
Well, I mean, look, you, you could you could you could ask yourself whether Bitcoin has been a positive change in the world if you wanted to take that tact, and mm -hmm. it really depends on whether your kid died from drugs in the dark net or not, or whether uh, you know you were able to send your mom some money that needed it in Venezuela, or there's a lot of like any technology, there's there's pluses and minuses, and I think as long as human beings are in general better than they are worse, the technological advances will be better than they are worse. So. Technology is a force so multiplier, and if people generally do good things, then we will generally have a better world with more technology. If people, people turn evil, then we should lose the technology. Bad things you you might think people are actually people are pretty good. Yep. Um, generally. Yep. Very well, the world wouldn't work. <laughs> the world would be more fucked up. It wouldn't. You're right. That's a good way. Of, that's a good point, which is that we wouldn't if. If really only the law enforcement was keeping everyone from robbing each other, it yeah, actually doesn't scale. Unable to, so yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's asymmetrical. Point. It takes like Before four investigators would, to solve one small really crime. What really holds people in again is what's in people's minds, the culture, but also shame. You people would be ashamed of facing their friends and, and family if they were found. Yep, have taken advantage of people and a desperate time. Animals have ethics. Animals have ethics. Human beings also have ethics. They're effective strategies for operating in groups. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if amoebas had ethics to some degree. Like they understand kin and not kin. They understand like don't kill people on my team. So like well, they have norms. They have they certainly have norms. Right. So there's there's things that work better and there's things that work worse. And we just happen to do the same things that dogs do. You know, they don't they don't eat their brothers usually. They don't eat their parents usually. They they get along as a team. They cooperate. We you know? do even better than that. We we actively talk about right and wrong and. Sure. We have very, um, we have very, we have ideas that exist independently of even evolution and things. I'm not sure it's made us much more honest than dogs, though. <laughs> well, I like yeah, dogs. our powers, and our mental powers are, are greater, so we can, we can both <laughs> deceive and tell the truth easier. But deception is also a way to tell the truth. I mean, imagine you're, imagine you work as a therapist or something. Right. If you can't lie, then people can't tell you the truth. You can't right. do anything about the problems. What if you're a yeah. spy? You know, yeah. what if you're there's 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 exceptions to most rules. So, no. so what do you have any? Oh, so I was going to say the last thing about that that uh, thing that if you don't end your stake, then you could just lose all your money. Anyone else in the world could uh, pull your expired shares out for you. It's called the good accounting function. So you um, can this, run the good accounting function. Very interesting. You think you would want people to? You'd want to let people leave it in the vault as, as long as possible. But if you're a nice guy and you don't want to see people very burn, good. maybe you run that function for them. And I don't know oh, what's going to happen. Get to that. Uh, yes. Well, okay. If the world <laughs> wants to be nice to other people, they can do it. It's a very uh, wacky idea. How much the origin address spent? Has it spent a lot of hex or any of it? Uh, it just locks it all up. So the, the origin address has been sending to, uh, so I'll be specific with my language. The origin address appears to have sent to like 10 or 20 addresses and those addresses just lock all up their coins. So. Let's see. So the origin has the ten, spent some Mostly the, 10 years. The grandchild or the child of the uh, origin address has not spent any. No one has like. Yeah, so if you do the lineage, right, so the energy that has been input to the origin address and then has ended up in other addresses, um, it's locked almost every single hex it's ever gotten, and mostly for 10 years. So, Very interesting. Yeah. Now, I think, because, like, why, 
if in theory, so if we took a different system, not hex, a different coin, and the founder of that coin had the new coin that he created and Ethereum, which one do you think you would want to sell? Now I could say in this system, in hex, the uh, the origin address appears to have you know divested of nearly all of its coins and other addresses receive them. And then those other addresses stake nearly all their coins uh, for mostly 10 years. And then what is the flush address done, which gets the Ethereum? The Ethereum has just sat there and done nothing. It's got about 42,000 Ethereum and it moved 195 of them to Binance and that's it. So that's, that's the analysis on what those two uh, addresses have done. So in, in theory, would you rather, if you, if you invented a currency, not hex, if you invented some other currency and you had a bag of ETH and you had a bag of your currency, which one would you be more happy to sell? Hmm. The thing you invented and no, built no, I, or the thing that, confusing. okay. Because, well, aren't you going to, well, don't you have a coin coming really out or something? want to know who else is accepting it, which is in my view, I'm the, this network effect guy. I think that the network effects are very, very strong and very important. Um, so I think that it's not a, you know, it's a totally different factor, but what I, you know, are there at least two things that attracted me to having this conversation with you, which is that the, if I asked you some question, like, do you aspire to have hex spent in, in stores or something, and, you know, retail acceptance and be used as money in like a country. Um, I'd almost say it doesn't matter what you answer that question as because for BTC, it's sort of like almost the same answer, which is that it's not really supposed to be about that. It's just supposed to be about sound money and hold it. It was, it was supposed to be about that, but they just gave up on it because it didn't work, which is okay because store value is bigger money. Like, so here's the problem with, Here's the problem with being a processing network. Processing networks has existed as a technology for decades and it's been demarginalized and made less profitable because of it. So if you look at how much money uh, Visa and MasterCard make, and then you tried to make something that offered the same features as them, but it ran on Bitcoin, you wouldn't be able to because they're actually very efficient. If you say, you know what? We wanna have a phone call center that answers these people's problems when they call 24 hours a day and uh, has a dispute resolution system where we look and we see and adjudicate who's going to get to keep money and who's not. And we need to have ATMs all over the world that accept these cards. And, and you start adding all that shit up. Bitcoin would never, ever be able to do it in like 20 years, even with, no, even I with, agree with that, but you understand that Bitcoin's basis for competing with them, even theoretically, if it were as a super large block, credit card competitor payment thing, it would be in a different basis. One would, it would be that it would have no brick and mortar, it would have no lawyers, it would have no dispute resolution. You right, wouldn't need- that's all worse. That, that, all that shit sucks, that's worse. Like it's less features. And, uh, internet connection, so. Yeah, so my point is that people think that being a payment network is very valuable and they're wrong and they're stupid. Being a payment network isn't worth a jack shit. What is worth a lot is being something that people buy and never sell. And then you just have constant up price pressure with no fucking down price pressure. Yeah, but like, they're not buying it in order to spend it in a store or anything. People don't realize spending it means you're pushing the price down. Like when Vitalik donated a few million dollars to the Sense Foundation, he pushed the price of Ethereum down because they sold that shit. When you spend your crypto, you fuck the price. 
So when you when you say, hey man, I'm gonna support this network, I'm gonna buy a Bitcoin and I'm gonna send it over there and then he's gonna sell the Bitcoin. Well, guess what, man? The price went up a little and then it went down a little and it le got left about where it started. Because if, if, this, if this fantasy of people using the cryptocurrency more made it more valuable, then Ethereum would have gone up in value when they shifted that shitload of transactions off of Omni onto ERC-20 on Ethereum. Fucking price didn't go up. The transaction fees went up. The network activity went up, but the fucking price didn't go up. Why? Because you only have to pay a penny to get your transaction done. So how is adding a bunch of extra penny payments move a fucking $15 billion currency up? It doesn't. So this theory, this theory that the blockchain that gets used more will be more valuable is fucking wrong. It's not true. Omni got used a lot. They do less than $300 a day of fucking volume. Omni failed entirely, but was actually successful technology for Tether. So the concept that network effect will make your cryptocurrency more valuable is only true if the network effect is holding and not actually using. Because I can show you actually used coins that ain't worth shit. And I can earlier, show you coins with no use that are worth a lot. Earlier, you were saying that you wanted to use Ethereum because it was better in your opinion. And so it's better. The, more the, useful. the valuation accrues at the endpoints. Amazon is the one of the richest companies. Jeff Bezos is the richest motherfucker in the United States because he owns Amazon. Amazon is the richest motherfucker in the United States because they're closest to the money. They're the end point. They're not a dumb pipe. They're not a substrate. They're not an ISP. They're the end point that's the closest to the money. Hex is closest to the money. Ethereum is a dumb substrate that we operate on. So value is likely to accrue at the endpoints that are closest to the customer and the underlying technology is fucking irrelevant to them. So when people use, uh, when people use Hex and go to go.hex.win or etherscan.io to use it, you don't have to go to gohex.win. There's nothing essential going on. You can you know, access the blockchain in many different ways. You don't really know that you're using Ethereum at all, except for you have to pay a penny or sometimes three pennies to do a transaction. And if, if that goes away, if that little component goes away using what's called meta transactions, or there's this EIP that they've got that would allow you to pay fees direct to miners with uh, ERC twenties. If either of those things is implemented or becomes more popular, like the, the meta transactions thing is already done. It could just be done where you can pay your fees with hex and never touch ETH at all. Then you wouldn't know there was an ETH network. It wouldn't exist to you. Yeah, but I think your claim that the network effect is only important when it's about only important um, for price. For development, it's important. It's I mean, there's a lot of other yeah, shit. It's not price. But you were saying all these things about those the Uniswap and there's whatever tornado. Yeah, that's all because the that's all because the network like that is all because of the network effect for sure. Like, yeah. so for for things improving, network effect is very important for and price appreciation. The US dollar. I mean, if I spend the U.S. dollar, I can't spend euros in the United States. You can. As soon as I go to Europe, you can. The US they just come. don't usually let you. You can. You can spend euros in the United States. You can go to a cash exchange sure house. Could try. Well, no, you could go to a cash exchange house and they will accept your euros, which is spending oh, them well, and give you another currency. The cash exchange, the, the cash exchange um, place is a special case. That's not, you know, they specialize well, in yeah, subverting but, the but rule that applies everywhere else. Yes, but it is legal for you to spend whatever the fuck you want. There is no law in the United States. Yeah, I, would, I would dispute the fact that I'm even spending euros at a cash exchange store. I okay. don't like going there. You're just so buying just dollars, pay. but whatever. Like it's, it's fine. In the United States, yeah, you can you pay whatever you want. Trying to make. You were saying that the um, that, I, uh, network effect only matters if it's for 
No, no, no. I'm not saying network effect doesn't exist. I'm not saying Metcalf's law isn't important. I'm, I'm just pointing out, I, I agree with everything that you're saying about how important network effect is and how awesome it is and all that shit. I'm just pointing out that in crypto, the network effect of adoption is dog shit for the price comparing to the network effect of holding. Because holding creates a buy and no sell. And use creates a buy and a sell. And having a sell sucks. That's all I'm pointing out. Mm, I see what you're saying. I think I would really frame it that the people who are onboarded... No, I, I made a similar point when I was trying to talk to Vin Armani about uh, when people are... Yeah, someone who buys and holds, they pay uh, more of a cost. They pay this whole thing and they're holding on to it. They pay... If they buy Bitcoin, they spend a whole... Whatever it was they spent, $10,000 or whatever. And that... So that's a much more reliable signal than someone who merely chooses to accept it in their store. They may not even receive any Bitcoin transactions. They may do nothing. It may have no effect. And but similarly, when they when someone's onboarded to a, a new crypto, even if it's BTC, they are really kind of once they learn a lot of what they learn also applies to the other cryptos, like download a phone wallet. Uh, guard your private key or whatever. So they're, they're sort of onboarded to all of the competitors Sure. at the same time, which is a point I was trying to make about Bitcoin Cash versus BTC retail acceptance. Right. I, I, I think uh, that... I agree. Sort of, I think. I think we agree on... I don't, I, I don't know of anything I disagree with. Yeah, you. we do agree a lot. Um, yeah. But, uh, it's yeah, because we're know. right. We, we're not... <laughs> we're thoughtful. We fucking think. Uh, well, um it is certainly the case that all the crypto projects compete with each other and that they... It's a little bit misleading, though. What you're saying there is a little misleading because... That, the other, all right, let's hear it. That competition is what caused all the prices to go up. So the fact that Ethereum brought all this new money in from a new branch of human psychology that wasn't already cashed out. So the libertarian gold bugs, they already blew their loads and bought all the Bitcoin they could buy. And they didn't have much left untapped. And then the venture capital Kumbaya VC guys, they weren't all in yet. And so they all end into the world computer and then they got wrecked. And now we're looking for our next pool and the next pool in crypto that's being wrecked is the people that fall for Ponzi schemes. And then if you want to keep seeing the price go up, you're going to have to find a new pool of untapped capital that you haven't emptied yet to make the price punch up again. Because everyone else is already all in and working a day job to try and save up enough to buy a bag again. Is how crypto works. So I bought 30, bought the top, shit dropped to a penny on Gox. They rolled the transactions back, but it sure did trade for a penny. And then, uh, you know, went up to 1300 down to 266 up to 20000 down to 3000 And at some point, we're likely going to go 60000 And then everyone's going to get to do their 85% drop again. So we need more pools of new money that hasn't been wrecked yet if you want to keep seeing price appreciation. Because the only thing, once you've already bought, you're useless. You can't move the price up anymore. You're fucked. You can't press the green button anymore. You're tapped out. So people who have already bought, they're actually bad for the price because they can only push it down with selling. They can't push it up anymore. If they do push it up with leverage, it's very sensitive to a margin call, and then it overshoots the price down again. Like you saw at the 6K horizontal that we held about a year and a half ago. And when it punched through, we dropped 55%. It was like 67.50. We dropped a 3K on it or 31.50. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, so you have you have a lot of intriguing views. I think one weird thing that I don't think you've addressed yet is that for people to invest in HEX, you've designed HEX so that it doesn't contribute to Ethereum mining, as you made clear. Well, it, it, but, it pays the fees that they desire, and they can set their rates at whatever they choose. They just choose to work for nearly nothing, which makes a better, more efficient network if you want to do computation. If you, if you want if you want to actually have computation going on on your Turing complete system, it's pretty nice to have it not cost an arm and a leg. Oh, well, yeah, well, obviously that's, well, that's a neat trick if you can get away with it, right? Because you want it all to be cheap, but you also want, want everything to work. And yes, at some point, at some point, if Ethereum was not getting enough traction through other projects that were paying mining rewards through block inflation, like Ethereum itself is, then someone else would have to pay the miners a, a real living wage. And then we would need to have those other EIPs to roll in to pay in years or 20s, which is fine for me. I only care about having a, a network which provides me censorship resistance and rollback protection. And as long as I have that, I want it for as cheap as I can get it. And I believe most yes. of the security. But when people invest and they're going to invest for a long time, they're going to lock up this money mm -hmm. for 5,555 days sure, or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, uh, they are not just buying into hex; they are buying into the whole Ethereum sure. scheme. Which, as you so in ten years, that guy is going to need to perform one transaction, and absolutely nothing has to happen between now and then. Yeah, but but you know, but that's not really what I meant. What I meant is that, uh, as you know, it's very much a, a wet concrete situation in Ethereum. When Here's how good Ethereum is. Yes. Five of the top 11 cryptocurrencies launched on or primarily use Ethereum. BNB, TRX, USDT, Ethereum itself, and EOS. Five of the top 11 valued cryptocurrencies in the world launched on or primarily use Ethereum. Yeah, I yeah, believe it is a better network than Bitcoin. There will be fundamental changes to Ethereum that disrupt that. The, the, all those projects. Sure, and then you'll have oh, two coins. Ongoing. Sure, yes. let's say it goes wrong. Okay, now you've got two coins, and then you add them up, and the market cap's usually higher. So everyone wins, usually. I didn't understand. What did you if say you have a fork, if something fucks up, let's say let's say something oh, fucks up in Ethereum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fuck up These their fork. These are all just hard forks. And what, okay, so now you've got two coins. You've got Ethereum yeah. Classic, and you've got Ethereum Normal. you got coins on yeah, both. Yeah, well, I think I actually... Um, uh, I, I kind of, agree, as I said, I, I agree with Dan Krawitz about that, but actually I think that the hard fork doesn't do enough because I'm such a big network effect guy. I don't think it's a fair fight. And unfortunately the status quo. I, I don't, I, I think it's uh, a parade of imagined horribles. It's not going to happen. advantage. So that the new competitor, so it's, this is a problem because a truly good idea, subversive good idea, um, may not be able to win with only the hard fork well, as its weapon. So I think the hard fork let, doesn't do enough. Let's say let's say Ethereum fails entirely. Okay. How many other blockchains support Solidity? Shitloads. Okay, we take system state, we airdrop it to the new blockchain. Okay. Done. It's not Yeah, it is, it is funny that this type of thing is possible and it already has been done many times. Yep. I'm riding on the backs of giants here. I mean Bitcoin itself is built on. It's what I was also thinking is that you are using a lot of things that were invented for like different, you know, that just came up um, in weird other scenarios about how to 
restart the state, um, stuff that like Monero does and stuff that happened to the Dow thing. It's very funny. You've, you've assembled a very intriguing, I certainly, I have to say, I can't, I really can't endorse it because again, I am so, I'm so hung up on this whole selling a dream, you know, your main, your main value proposition is number go up, which but so, I have to say so if you get something for free, you think you're going to lose money on it? No, I think it's, um, I'm not saying that, you know what I would advise anyone listening is I would say claim claim it, if, as long as you can do so, keeping your private keys and everything yep. very safe. Very safe. Should, we use a signature. You, you never upload your keys anywhere. Trust any, any two, one or two people talking on YouTube with that premise, you should check very carefully to make sure that you, your private key never leaves your air-gapped computer or whatever. Yep. Um, I agree yeah, 100%. I, I think you should claim, and then I think, you know, you should just sell a little bit immediately, but uh, not all of it, and uh, have fun. And, uh, cool. You know, I don't think it's... I agree uh, with you 100%. Yeah. So it doesn't, um, it doesn't, you know, you build a lot of moving pieces here. I, I, well, here's the funny part. After the first year, most of this shit goes away. After the first year, this is the simplest fucking thing in the world. It's yeah, so literally... The entire thing is like a Hail Mary pass on recognizability and like buy-in for like the first year. Well, it's and already working. It, it's not really yeah, Hail Mary. I, no, I think it's very, I think it's very funny. I mean, well, the, I didn't get to state the second thing. I was talking about how you, one reason why I wanted to do this conversation is because you are doing the, you're kind of, you are kind of like holding up a mirror to the, the BTC as number go up. Yeah. Modeling use yeah, that's cases, all it is. Which, is very, which I find to be extremely funny and, but lately, number go down, <laughs> which is a neat uh, concept. Um, but of course, the second thing is that culture has evolved a massive amount of closed mindedness, a yeah. lot of which was originally. So as I want to say, a lot of it was it, it makes sense if you were in this case for a really long time, of course, and you saw Litecoin, it's, you know, it's very insulting for someone to just copy and paste what Satoshi must have spent so much time he chose the mit them. license so he can suck a dick he could have chose a different not, but license I'm saying that i'm not i agree i'm not saying that it's you know violates any laws or licenses yeah. i'm just saying that it is insulting i think in my opinion i think everyone fair-minded person has so they, you see bitcoin people have been in the audience they've seen so many just terrible projects so of course everything is a scam for like the first years and years and then new people show up and they just absorb this part of the culture. They just think that, oh, new thing shows up, you call it a scam. So you haven't been called a scamming piece of shit yet. You're pushing back against that. And I don't know if you are, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing or if you are the right person to be pushing back against it. But nonetheless, it is weird that we're living through this time where it is, it is dialed up so much that it's almost, you know, that what I say it, I mean, Bitcoiners calling everything a scam. Well, there's nothing else for them to talk about because there's no, there must be some kind of reaction to it at some point. And so I want to explore that. Sure. There's nothing else for them to talk about because there's nothing going on in Bitcoin. It's boring. There's nothing going on back. Okay. It launched price dump. It's become, it's become self-referential and it is just about what other people have said and yeah. not much about the external physical world. They're not, they're you not know, doing their own measurements. There used to be this big mission about taking money away from sure. banks. And let me sell your uh, idea for you. Time, when was the last time Bitcoin has even said anything about that mission? 
we'll die. I can't even remember the last time someone yeah. said something about. I have a chart of narratives that came and went over time for both Bitcoin and Ethereum. They just ideas come and then they disappear. So like Ethereum, world computer, and eh, not really. Okay, DAOs, distributed uh, uh, companies. No, fuck that one. And then oh, uh, De DeFi now. Maybe that one works, right? Bitcoin, programmable money. Ah, lol. <laughs> nope. Okay, peer-to-peer -peer digital currency. Uh, nope. Uh, digital gold. All right, that one seems all right. And so they just keep these narratives come and go. Now, as far as far as what you're saying about the scam shit, when everything is a scam, assuming everything is a scam is great. And now that 99% of things are scam, great. Assuming things are scam is great. Here's the problem. That 1% that's not a scam will take over and pass you up and eat your fucking lunch. And then you'll wonder why you're not number one market cap anymore. You'll wonder how the fuck that happened. Where did that come from? Nokia used to be all the cell phones. Now they're none of the cell phones. Motorola used to be all the fucking cell phones in the States. Now they're none of the cell phones. IBM used to make all the laptops. Now they make none of the fucking laptops. Well, how did that shit happen? Well, everything's a fucking scam. We're the best. We're the best. Everything's a scam. We're the best. Well, I totally blah, blah, blah. agree that you know network effects certainly isn't everything. If that were the case, BTC would never have been able to make any dent at all in the U.S. dollar, and the U.S. dollar would right. just be, right. and it would just be humiliating to talk about yeah. Bitcoin as it sort of was in the very early on. Is everyone any, anyone remembers those days, these olden days where it was just humiliating to even talk about it, talk about Bitcoin at all because it just yeah. seems so crazy. So, um, so if you, if you keep your head in this, if you keep your head in the stand and you do, it's easy and you don't have to read all these fucking white papers because there's so many have fun with that. And it feels good. And I hope your number go up, but eventually something better will come and it will eat your lunch and you won't be number one market cap anymore. And to tell you the truth, if you're happy with having only 2.8 million wallets with over a thousand dollars in them, you're a loser. This is not a successful tech project. It's amazing that it could have such a high market cap with no fucking adoption anywhere. People don't understand yeah, what you know, real adoption looks you, like. You're, you're buying into it in a way, though, because you're saying, look, I'm giving, well, you gave. It happened in the past. It happened on December 1st. But you're saying the, the project, you're saying set aside the software release, but this UTXO set that it produced, this community, is so valuable that they are going to be the seed in which I plant my new thing. So that's kind of a neat thing. You know, it's, it shouldn't be that amazing. You know what I mean? The one explanation for why the market cap for Bitcoin could be so high is that it, it if you have it, you're on the road for all these hard forks of which I would say, I would say hex is a hard fork. It's a very weird one, but I would say it is a hard fork of, of Bitcoin. And I, in general, I support experimentation through hard forks. I really think that they, it is unfortunately a, a, a hobbled experiment and it's not a true experiment that sidechains would provide, for example. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think that, you know, um, you know, if you're ever I successful with your sidechain thing, you're going to get called a fucking scammer every day forever. Just so you know. Yeah. Well, um, give you the heads it, up. It does remain to be seen exactly how that will play out. Oh, I because know. As we, well, as you as we've discussed, there has been a lot of sort of pointless controversy over it when it is it is totally opt in and deployed completely by some fork and all this other thing. So um, that is kind of a, a weird thing for people to be upset about. And it seems to me that what people are really upset about is 
other developers getting their way. And that, um, well, first of all, most, as you say, 99% of things are just terrible. And so people often, they say, what would I use a sidechain for? All these projects suck with some justification because almost all of them do suck. But yeah, really, it's a kind of disloyalty to the Bitcoin core developers that I think is really, really. Could, what, could what I could I say up. that in fact, actually, most of these things don't suck. So, for instance, everyone makes fun of XRP. I make fun of XRP. Everyone makes fun of it. The shit does actually move money from here to there instantly, faster than other blockchains. Okay, well, it doesn't actually suck, particularly if you're doing arbitrage and you you're worried about the price spread making you at a loss instead of a gain. Does Dogecoin well, suck? It's worth a quarter know, of a billion dollars. Sorry? Does Dogecoin suck? It's worth a quarter of a billion dollars. It's a joke coin. Fork of Bitcoin. Works fine. It is explicitly a joke, and it does a very good job. I mean, one thing it was doing, it was saying, if your coin is worth less than this, then, <laughs> you know, how much of a failure are you or something, <gasps> which I didn't about it. It was explicitly satirical. Thing. <laughs> Yeah, here. Saying, we tried as if we tried to come up with a logo it's just it's just a shiba you know <laughs> like, bro like when people ask me they're like why would anyone buy hex i'm like listen lots of good reasons but even if we didn't have any good reasons dogecoin's worth a quarter of a billion dollars shut the fuck up <laughs> it's like you, yeah like well you know being worth more partially validates but not completely the the project as you know well i'm not saying if if a person so who has in crypto really who has the onus of responsibility the person that says the price will go up or the person that says price will go down because what i see is a top 100 market cap full of fucking jokes that are worth shitloads that have no adoption whatsoever that's what i see and so okay, if a joke it's symmetric i think anyone making any claim about the price is the good, you know, they have to justify that somehow. As long as Dogecoin is worth a quarter of a billion dollars, it's very hard for me to say that any project won't go up in price, truthfully. Yeah, but you know, Dogecoin, um, that it hasn't, it's not, as you yourself said, it's not the case that Dogecoin has just gone up and up and up and up and up forever. No, everything goes down. up and down. Everything. You can't even get out of that. Every, everything goes up and down. Just some things don't go back up. Sure. Well, what was the point of saying it was worth two hundred fifty million or whatever? That 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 people ask you. So your brain, I can feel it. I can feel it. Your brain wants to believe that there has to be some interesting or good reason for people to buy a thing. And I'm telling you, it's not the case. No, I'm telling there you, the is hype some reason. is worth some more point, than something caused them to. The hype is worth more than the technology. Every time. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> And it will always be I that don't know, way. Because that, that, that doesn't actually help you succeed, though, because then you have to be the best hype guy. I'm pretty good. I don't know. know. You know, then you've got to be the best hype guy forever. That's... No, you just have to build an ecosystem that rewards other people for making hype. Yeah, someone could maybe develop a, a, a Mark Zuckerberg could steal the hex strategy and you could have it would be unlikely. Uh, 10%. You could have someone could have 12% if you have a referral instead of 10%. He would be the first. He would be the first fork to outperform the the original. So Ethereum, Ethereum has Ethereum Classic. It's worth like what three percent, two percent, something like right. that. Right, that one was a fork that outperformed the original. Yes, 
No, Ethereum's worth more than Ethereum Classic. Oh, you're talking about oh, okay. Ethereum is the fork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. So Ethereum is the fork. Ethereum Classic is the real original thing, and the real original thing is worth about two or three percent of the of the fork. Forks yeah, in yeah. general do not do well. But they could have other advantages that make up for the disadvantage. I agree. That's what I was just saying, that the hard fork. Oh, oh, I could teach you something here. All right, let's hear it. People buy crypto because they want the price to go up. That's my thesis. <laughs> I think that's true. But you understand that that is not, that's very difficult for you to channel that greed into one specific project. Apparently not, bro. Like X has already got $6 million of Ethereum transformed into Hex in the first two weeks. So apparently it's going okay with not a zero, not a single dollar spent on marketing. Well, as of uh, the cost of your time and other things, yeah, <laughs> I, I understand what you mean. Uh, so, well, you know, I don't know. It seems like, you know, it seems like, you know, does it have any purpose other than number go up which it is only nice. it only does everything better than bitcoin except for liquidity retail adoption it's substrate very, for liquid yeah sub it's very funny that you've narrowly zoned in on the store of value thing, no, so again, it also does like, cheaper transactions and it also has anonymity because of tornado cash soon oh yeah oh, yeah sure maybe weird uh, ethereum technology that it's not weird. It's just Maybe code. All this shit's just code, man. It's not. There's nothing weird about it. It's just normal code. There's nothing it's weird about it. Right? I mean, I do have to say, I, on behalf of the technical community, I have to thank you for producing a project before asking for the money and bucking the horrible ICO trend, as I've already said. And as a as a Bitcoiner, I have to thank you for honoring, in some way, the UTXO set, even though you didn't totally honor you know, the, the 1000 BTC and up at 140 K in Gox, they can't claim 139 K. Yep. But, uh, but anyway, I, you know, I, I, I do support hard forks, people giving me money for free. I support that. So, and other Bitcoiners should as well. I don't, the, You're the hatred for the hard forks, I think is irrational. I don't understand it at all. Agree. You know what I love talking about, uh, talking with you. I can tell that you're thinking on the fly and truly putting diligence into the ideas and you're not repeating canned you know, talking points. You know what's true is that I, I did not do any preparation for this at all. So thinking on the fly is all I've got. That's all I've got. It's better. So, it's better for the audience. They can learn at the same time, you know? So there you go. But you know, it's just, you know, it's very funny. I, I, I don't know. It's people's definition of a scam. That word has uh that word has morphed, and at this point, it's a kind of. It just means not Bitcoin. That's all it means now. It, it, there's a kind of you no, know, but there's a kind of uh, shame or a kind of uh, treadmill. What was that phrase that Stephen Pinker used at some point about like, if you don't, you know, some kind of, um, you know, if you are, if your standards are lax, there's a there's a bias. Like if I if I fail to point out a scam, then I'm complicit and I've harmed. Yeah, it's Everyone. kind of like all all the something like all the world needs to do to be damned is to have good men dot not... yeah, so I need to be I need to lean into skepticism, which everyone should. Yeah, look I look I support that. Like don't listen yeah. to anything I've said. Go read the code. It's literally on etherscan.io. So you can go to hex.win, right up at the top it says, here's the contract address. Copy that into etherscan.io, hit enter, and then click code. 
and then it will show you the verified code of the contract, mm. yeah. and that's what's well, being run. That type of stuff is. Well, I have a question about the. So, is there some kind of timeline for redeem? Is it is it? Yeah, year run, you bleed every two every week. You bleed two percent until there's nothing left. Oh, this is very like. Uh, this yeah. is really something. You're like you know you're like you know if you are like if the jigsaw serial killer designed a hard. <laughs> yeah, if you don't if you don't claim the first day, so the first day you get a twenty percent bonus and it falls to zero linearly over three hundred and fifty days. And you bleed out your whole stack linearly over 350 days. And the people that will receive the value of what you could have claimed are the stakers. And they get paid by shares. The longer they stake, the more they make. So you're bleeding every day you don't claim and giving it to the people that believe the most in the project. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense to me. I'm going to say, I think this project is very unlikely to defeat BTC, but I do support all creative projects and especially hard forks that honor the UTXO set. So I think, you know, now that you've Let's done give it, a shot. it's worth doing and it should be fun to watch. And so imagine, I'll put it this way. If we did beat BTC and we did it, imagine what the ROI percent would have to be in order to pass BTC on the market cap in a short time frame. The ROI percent would be millions of percent, I think. Depends on where you measure it from. So people people jumped in really, really heavy day one. Even though I showed them the EOS charts and said, look how everyone jumped in overly heavy day one. Maybe you want to average in. They just, everyone jumped in day one anyway, even though the launch is 351 days. They just jumped in heavy anyway. So then those guys can now, like uh, the ratio that they got for uh, hex to the ETH that they put in, it's now like 20 times better. So the people that are putting in now are getting 20 times more than the guys that put in the first day because just too many people jumped in the first day. Two years of anticipation was released on a single day, and now we're getting a day of anticipation mm. every day, basically. And you see it the numbers. Interesting. And, well, and, you know, many people have designed weird, weird things like pyramid schemes that have all these bells and whistles, but mm -hmm. also just any normal thing where you would sell a concert, you have the early bird pricing and whatever, yep. so. Yep. All this stuff has, you know, been done before, but I don't think these weird. things that are, but yeah, I you have, you have some truly weird stuff in here. Yeah. I think there's some unique things here, like a lot of them. Most important is I believe the graph of future market supply. That's totally, that should give us a better sharp ratio because you can choose to have your stake end when someone else's isn't. And then you spread out the supply shock over a wider range and you have more intelligence in the market about the future state of the system mm, that doesn't exist. Manage the circulating supply. Right. That doesn't exist anywhere else. There's, there's no other cryptocurrency in the world that has that. It's amazing. Like it's really, really good. Groundbreaking economics. Other places. I don't know, like markets, there's different markets. In normal market finance, I think that exists, but in crypto, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot, some million projects in crypto, and I, there's no possible way I can look at. I know what you mean. Any of them, so, but no. yeah, um, well, I, I don't know. This has been going on for a long time. Yep. <laughs> this is two hours. Yep. I think it is. So it's been fun. It's been fun, bro. Thank you for asking me about side chains. I did not expect that. I didn't. Prepare I hope. For that. I, I hope that you are able to make them successful. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. If so, then people could do weird projects like this. 
on an um, ecosystem that doesn't want them to. Not only, right, it would be BTC, it would be its own piece of software, and you could then not only buy in for one Bitcoin, but also with a change of mind and escape back to the, say, I don't like, that was a mistake. Although if someone did a project like yours, it would have necessarily have to involve all kinds of weird demurrage, inflation tax, like over there happening in the side chain where they're money. Yep they would uh, be getting a different quantity of money back somehow yep. because of all these things we've been doing over there, but someone could do them. You got to align incentives. You got to align incentives. Who, who deserves the most of a new cryptocurrency is the question. Who deserves the most? Well, the people that sacrifice the most and believe the most is my opinion. So mm. that's what we built. Oh, well, I, I'm not sure that that isn't that already what, would happen, you would say the miners would mine, but then they're selling them at this big auction and then they go to the highest bidder. So they would already go to people who, even in the Bitcoin case in 2019. I don't, I don't think that rewarding Asian silicon manufacturers that won't talk to you on Twitter is like that good for the world. Yes, but you say they generate the coins, but they have to sell them. As you yourself pointed out, they have to immediately sell them. They go to the, the highest bidder on the market. And so the market is constantly preserving allocative efficiency as it's called and they people who value the coin mm. end up with them but you're saying who gets the inflation tax yes because whoever gets the money first gets the most value because it hasn't it hasn't pushed the price down yet in yeah. satoshi's okay. design it's just kind of like uh, it's not that good satoshi's design is not that good kind of let like me ask you this why the fuck does the why does the inflation rate drop only every once every four years why not every fucking day What's up with that stupid shit? Why isn't it just constant? Why the fuck do we have yeah, this huge... You know, I wrote a blog post. It's weird that I think Peter Todd and I are like the only two people who share that view. It's, it's stupid. Me and Peter Todd, which is very funny, which is that it's kind of a mistake. To just have, Even though the, the difficulty adjustments jumping discreetly every two weeks was definitely a smart decision, as Andrew Polster has pointed out in this cool paper and other people, um, the the you know yeah the supply shocks should probably not be a huge amount in one day that it's very dumb weird feature i'll leave you i'll leave you with a final question because we've already done two hours not that i care but i know you're probably getting tired um if i came up with an idea that i thought was remedial and stupid but would probably work if people actually cared about bitcoin scaling why don't you just make a couple extra Bitcoins that run on a different port. And one is Bitcoin North America and one is Bitcoin China and one is Bitcoin Europe. And then you can atomic cross swap when you want to get across. And then you have higher throughput by whatever number of chains that you had. Well, you have... indeed, yeah, no, side chains could plausibly uh, work that way. There could be a few different large block payment side chains and it would make sense for them to be. Okay. So, so this idea was not stupid. It would yeah. work, right? You know, I think it would because they would not, it would work because they would not want to do the atomic swaps because that's two kind of fake transactions on, e or on each one transaction on each network, but not really to, do, to transact, it's only to send money to yourself. So you would want to minimize those. So you would want to do them as few, as, as little as possible. So you'd want to have them all with your trading partners and Amazon would be in all three and whatever it is. So. Everything else. So, yeah, I, I posted that on Twitter. No one responds. No one cares because no one actually cares about scaling Bitcoin because they only care about the price going up. Well, I don't know about that, but that is a dominant like rubric. 
yeah. you know, for people. I maybe think it's just Twitter. Like maybe if I posted that on Bitcoin Wizards. Yeah, but Twitter, I don't know. It's weird to say, you know, people, it's hard to explain exactly the role of Twitter because as I have been mentioning, what is in people's brains and what is in the culture is actually extremely important. And yep. Twitter is like more in control of that than I think anyone is comfortable <laughs> With I like Twitter. I like Twitter. But uh, yes, I'll Twitter take Twitter over Reddit. People try to say Twitter's not Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> the extent it's some. It's certainly true to a great extent, but not completely. So, so you're going to claim your hex, and everyone else is going to go to drivechain.info to check out your sidechain yeah, thing. I'm going to research very carefully exactly what has to happen to my private keys, and then maybe with well, I'll just tell you. Look, you can I tell you what you do? You just go to go.hex.win. If you want a 10% bonus, go to pumpamentals.com and then go to go.hex.win in the same browser. Install MetaMask, which is just an Ethereum wallet that allows you to you know, talk to the blockchain. You put your Bitcoin address in there. Now, if you want to be anonymous, you do it through a VPN. Clear clear cookies, go through yeah, VPN. Well, definitely it would be VirtualBox will sure. be involved probably a few times. To go to a website. <laughs> You don't have to have a virtual box to go to a website, but if you want to, go ahead. So yeah. if, if, if you're Paul Stortz, open up virtualbox.org, install whatever OS that you want. Maybe you use Tails, whatever. Uh, put your, uh, go to go.hex.win. If you want a 10% bonus, click Pumpamentals first, pumpamentals.com. Put in your Bitcoin address, click claim, copy the statement out into your Bitcoin wallet. Now, this statement is simply claim hex to your Ethereum address. That's all it is. It's not exciting. It's not interesting. You can't lose any money. It's a fucking feature of your wallet because it is safe to use. So you copy that into your wallet in the tools sign message. I was going to ask if you right use there. the sign message thing that's yes. right in there. Yep. All right. And you that's paste that smart. and then you sign it and you copy and paste the signature and you click submit. And as long as you've got one penny of ETH or you can mine your own block a lot harder. But as long as you got one penny of ETH or maybe sometimes three or four pennies, you will mint your hex right there. And then you're done. Now this video to walk you through doing that, even importing your keys to Electrum, if you had a wallet that sucked and didn't have the sign message feature, and then you had to import keys to something else. If you've already got Trezor, it's native. You don't have to touch anything. You just stay native in the device. If you use Ledger, you got to use Electrum because they deprecated the signature function because they suck. Um, yeah, very wise of you to use the the inbuilt sign message feature. If you had yeah. said stuff about like open the console and start typing, then no, our conversation would change. Don't do that. So don't ever type in the console, and don't sign a weird message. If you if you someone sends you a message just fucking four hundred characters long, don't sign that. And it's all just hex, and you can't yeah. <laughs> you can't reason about it. Very you don't know what you're signing. Yeah. yeah. So in our thing, it's just one thing that says claim hex to your Ethereum address. And it's totally fucking safe. And if you want to be totally secure, claim each Bitcoin address to a new Ethereum address and, you know, uh, choose an, a different exit node on your VPN and, you know, clear cookies. Okay. And now you're totally every, you're as anonymous as you entered, right? Every. Yeah, so that doesn't sound, nothing about that seems suspicious to me, but you know, you never know. Everyone should check. For sure. Carefully. Yeah. Don't, don't no, ever put your private keys online. It's normal enough. Sure. You shouldn't, if you use a good wallet, you don't even have to look at your fucking private keys. You're literally just signing right. a message. You don't even have to ever see them. Oh, well, I mean, what good is that? I mean, you, your computer is seeing them, so. Well, sure. 
so well, I mean, if there's a if you have, if you have a visual bug in your house and there's a camera, then you know it reduces. I usually that. don't see. I usually don't see most of what my computer does. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so important. We've got hardware wallet support. So if you use Electrum, which is a Bitcoin wallet, it supports Trezor and Ledger and Cold Card, I think. And then if you use on the Ethereum side, which is the Hex wallet as well, if you use MetaMask, it supports Trezor and Ledger. And so you've got hardware wallet support everywhere. It's fucking great. Why? Because we chose the right ecosystem. Imagine if I had built my own fucking blockchain, worry about 51% attacks all the time, no hardware wallet support, everything's a fucking nightmare. So much better the way we did it. So much better. It's good talking to you, man. Yes, this has been fun. Anytime. I don't know what the future holds for this project that has like no like physical use like in the Just world. Look at the top like, 10. Look at the top 100 cryptos. I know. I, well, I know that the, the market, the crazy crypto markets have taught all of us many strange lessons that still don't make, in particular, the fact that Zcash can outcompete Z Classic. It, Still, well, Zcash couldn't outcompete itself because all it's ever done is die. So, yeah, go look at the price chart of Zcash and you'll cry. <laughs> it's fucking the earlier you bought, the more you lost, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah, the inflation tax. Well, you see, that's the thing though, is that if it were, well, you know, who knows, brother, price charts fucked, no pumps ever. <laughs> <laughs>